0: thanks for calling the midnight drive-in no one is here to take your call this week's films are masters of the universe and cyborg by the power of Skull, you should see this movie
1: Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols, which will be
0: used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted.
2: I think
3: I bought it used from a video store like forever ago. I think it's it's one of those cardboard snap cases that tells you how old it is.
1: It's awesome. You have to flip it over halfway through in order to watch the other side
3: <laughs> It's not a laser disc. I probably have, have to, to decide. I probably have to decide if I want to watch it full screen or widescreen by flipping the disc over.
1: I think I legitimately have to flip over my copy of Goodfellas halfway through to. Really? Yeah. On mm-hmm. DVD. But it's been on Netflix since Netflix has existed, so I haven't actually pulled out the DVD in a while because. Yeah.
3: Yeah, that's weird. I just assumed they would just put a second disc in there if it was that uh, it was that big. And Goodfellas isn't that long of a movie, is it?
1: No, it's like I think it's like two hours. So it's like yeah. lots of movies are that long. I don't know. That's weird. I had, uh, there's some other movie I have where you have to do that, too. And it's, again, not a particularly long movie. Strange. And I don't think they put the cut in a very good spot either, so it's not like an obvious time. I can't remember exactly because it's been so long since I've watched it.
3: So, a uh, real quick lighting round. Doug, what did you think of My Stepmother's an Alien and My Boyfriend's Back?
1: Uh, I really liked both of them, actually. Um, which kind of surprised me, because I didn't necessarily anticipate liking those movies. But I just I don't know, there was something about the charm of My Stepmother's an Alien that I just... I kind of just started to go along with that movie, even though it was ridiculous and it's like not a particularly well-made movie in the sense that there are some real timeline issues of things that go on, like, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: like the day of the wedding, the, uh, so they, first of all, it's the day after they meet, they're getting married, but they have a band set up and all of their guests are coming. It's not like a city hall wedding. It's a full fledged wedding. And then they go and they change clothes and they immediately have the, um, reception and the whole thing and then everyone goes home and then Dan Ackerman, and Kim Basinger go upstairs and have sex for a while and then they come back down and then it's time for a 13 year old girl to go on her first date all on the same day (laughs) (laughs) I'm like what the hell is going on in this movie but I didn't care because it was just so damn charming and Kim Basinger is so good as just doing like the typical thing of like oh she doesn't understand because she's not from here
4: Mm-hmm. But and we talked a lot about it last time, but
1: hot, that yeah. movie—that's <laughs> the thing—is too. This movie, that movie, was like what eighty-eight, and it's right. like right before she became every little boy's dream girl in eighty-nine, right? Because like she was so hot that Batman would date her, and you're just like, holy smokes! So, you know, in the eyes of ten-year-old me, that's what a perfect woman is, because that's what Batman told me, <laughs> and I don't know how to—I don't know any better, right? So, it's a. Uh, yeah, I thought all the performances were good. Um, it was really 80s. I think you guys mentioned something about, like, John Lovitz is just hitting on his sister-in-law the whole time, and everybody's mm-hmm. okay with it. Because just over-the-top sleaziness was just an 80s thing that
3: just it's happened. like, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. He's harmless. It's,
1: it's okay. He's just... It's, it's the boys will be boys attitude taken to a real extreme when you're like yeah. forcefully kissing your brother's wife at their wedding It's like I don't, <laughs> I'm not sure if that's ever been acceptable <laughs> and the same thing again you guys mentioned it but uh, the stuff where it's like Alison Hannigan is way too interested in her dad's sex life <laughs> 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 Just, it's super fucking weird like said, that so, end of the movie Miyagi nod it's too much it's too. But even like the like when she, when they're like we have to go upstairs and she's like oh I know what you mean and you're like don't no even if you know what they mean be disgusted by it like a regular thirteen year old who knows her parents are about to have sex it's weird.
3: Ew, gross.
1: Explains <laughs> like, why she
4: grows up to shove instruments into her vagina. She yes. was a fucked up
1: kid. That's what happened. This is that's why you don't notify your child when you're about to have sex with their alien stepmother because then eventually they'll put flutes in there. <laughs> you know where's
4: yes. I've decided that those two movies exist in the same universe
1: that's fine <laughs> I got no problem I think, like, the thing is like, she plays the characters very similarly which I think is just her natural way of being on camera um, but it's it's reasonable to conclude that that's the same character just a few years moved out 'Cause what what would she be like five years older? It seems about right. Um Yeah, I don't know. I just delightful movie. Just super fun. Just ridiculously eighties. And it's like that kid friendly movie from the eighties that you can't you like if you as a parent, if you ever like love that movie in the eighties, don't think, Oh, I'll just sit down and watch it with my kids now. <laughs> no. You know, <laughs> It's You sit down and watch it with your kids when your kids are old enough to feel uncomfortable watching it with you. As soon yeah. as they understand the jokes enough that they don't want
0: to watch it with you, that's when they're old enough to see this movie.
3: When they're old enough for you to be like, see, that 13-year-old doesn't get grossed out when their parents have sex. <laughs> then then your, your kids are old enough to watch it.
4: Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I would... Was- I definitely was a little confused about who the audience for this movie is. Because it seems to be a kid's movie with 90% of the time showing Tim Basinger's nipples.
1: Yeah, yeah that's, what, that's what it was. Keeping in mind, like, again, people forget this because society has moved ahead so quickly. But in the 80s, there was only one TV in the house. Everybody watched the same movie. So... Maybe we have a kids' movie. It's got to be interesting enough for dad to keep watching. So, there you go.
3: Well, we got Kim Basinger. I mean, we could highlight her nipples throughout the movie. That'd probably keep a guy's yeah. interest, right?
1: <laughs> I'm not sure if singing and dancing. Dan Aykroyd was there for the moms or not. I don't really understand how women's brains work, <laughs> so I
3: can't. <laughs> He's a good provider, Doug.
1: I think the singing and dancing
4: routine was the to get grandma and grandpa out of their stupor in the back of the room.
3: Okay. <laughs> he keeps talking about that Jimmy Durante. <laughs> I,
1: can't, I had to Google it. I Jimmy Durante, a real guy, because it sounds like it would be a real guy, but it also sounds like it would be a totally made-up name.
4: I mean, the the weirdest thing about that is they're basically making the same joke in that movie... It was made about a million times in Looney Tunes cartoons, like in the fucking
1: fifties. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? It's yeah. the same joke. Yeah, that's fine. It's yeah. just that pretty, this pretty much was a Looney Tunes cartoon, it's just sexed up a
4: little. <laughs> Surprisingly, not
1: sexed up all that much more.
4: <laughs> yeah, well, those cartoons are disturbing too.
1: Well, we're not here to review those. We can put some on the um. list if you want. <laughs> I've changed my mind for next week.
4: (laughs) Seventeen hours of Looney Tunes cartoons. Oh, I'd be down. Amazing, yeah.
1: I remember the first time I watched like a Looney Tunes cartoon, and I realized that stuff had been edited out from previous times when I saw it, and getting super angry, and then realizing later how many of those cartoons they just never showed me because there was no way to edit them down.
3: (laughs) Well, I like that when they put them out on like the collections or whatever. That they just put a notice up saying, "Hey, this was made at a different time. There's some pretty not okay shit in here. Yeah. Just watch it and deal with it."
1: Well, I've, I've been saying that's what I think they should do with older material. They should, you know, throw a warning on it, use it to start the discussion about why those things are wrong, not necessarily just bury it and pretend it never happened because
3: that yeah. seems wrong. Uh, what about my boyfriend's back?
1: Uh, yeah, I enjoyed it too. Um, on paper, I probably shouldn't have, but there was just something about, I liked the, it, it felt like a, uh, like a longer version of a creep show story, and I think that just had to do with the, uh, the way the comic book wraparound thing happened, mm-hmm. I liked the way that was done, and then I just, so the movie had like two types of humor, it had like the subtle humor that was kind of constantly going on where it was like oh mom went shopping and got you a dead guy and put him in the fridge <laughs> and there's you know oh you're having these problems because your ear fell off the, the doctor knows how to fix it and he just picks up a stapler and acts like that's normal <laughs> stuff like that made me laugh like just had that constant like kind of smile on my face throughout the movie just enjoying that humor that was just throughout the uh, the more over the top stuff that they would go into like the dream sequences and that I didn't enjoy nearly as much um, with the exception of the one where he's eating the guy and the guy's heckling him, calling him a pussy because he's not eating enough of them, so he just keeps
2: eating them.
1: <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it's just a skeleton with a head still on it, or like a, an uneaten head, and he's still yelling at him. That was the <laughs> one of the big, like, over-the-top moments that I enjoyed. But everything else, I just... I don't know, I just found it charming and pleasant to watch. Nice. And I'm just like... I, I, uh, yeah. I mean, in, in in short, I just... Yeah, when they were again i think this is something you guys probably brought up but when they were just everybody's just like oh come on man don't be a zombie you don't just ah, you're dead why are you in class like it's just, like it's just a mild <laughs> inconvenience that he's a zombie but it started with the like the caretaker in the uh in the cemetery who's just like did you just get up and crawl out of that grave wow, we haven't had a zombie around here in quite some time. <laughs>
2: it's just,
1: it's just the thing that happens in this weird world that they invented. And I'm like, yeah, I like that. Nice. So, uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the movies from last week, much like I enjoyed the movies the last time my kid prevented me from podcasting.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's usually only the times where you pick the movies and then Lando's yeah. like, nah, not going to happen today, old man. <laughs> it's,
1: twice in a row, I think that I've picked the movies and he just prevented it. <laughs> this time was entirely his fault. The last time he like wasn't feeling well this time it was like, I think you actually nailed it. you said something like, oh, the kid's mad because everybody else is still up having fun. He yeah. was like literally laying in his room being like, I can still hear the kids playing. Why should I have to go? To- <laughs> <laughs>
2: like
4: I feel like in the end you were like solid argument.
1: <laughs> well, I'm like, I understand your point, but I like was trying to explain to them. They live a different lifestyle than you. They have a stay-at-home mom. Your dad has to work tomorrow. It means you have to get up in the morning. That means you have to go to bed earlier. They can sleep in. You can't. Why is that not obvious to you? You're almost four.
3: <laughs> Figure it out.
4: Damn. There's some Robitussin mixed with grape soda and vodka. <laughs>
1: I completely understand why, like, I'm descended from two predominant cultures, and each used to give booze to children. I've heard stories. <laughs> uh, like, oh, kids upset? Just give them a little tablespoon of wine. That'll help them get to sleep. I'm like, yeah, it will. <laughs> it takes a little more, but it would help me get to sleep, too.
4: say, they're teeny tiny little livers. They don't need that much.
3: Well, that was all last week. So this week... We're finally getting to a a pair of movies that we've had on the list ever since we started the show.
4: Yeah, I do do believe they were the first one. They were the first thing we ever put on the list. I think that's Mm -hmm. entirely plausible. It was certainly
1: in that, like, the list we put together before the show existed. When we were just talking about, like, what to do after things fell apart with the old show.
3: And, uh, Yeah. yeah. So I finally pulled the trigger on Masters of the Universe and Cyborg, All right. the two movies that have a lot in common, even though it doesn't seem like it.
1: What? do they have in common what is our theme this week because I don't remember and I couldn't know? figure it out when watching the movies unless it's they're both equally based on the Masters of the Universe toy line, well, they're about the same connection well, between these two movies and the
3: should, we, should we talk about Masters of the Universe and then explain why Cyborg is connected
4: I, I suppose too I mean I, I suppose the most blatant surface level thing is they're both canon films yeah, yeah.
1: but that's not enough is it
4: no sometimes it is but not this time.
1: No. Is this one of those weird fucking things? So they have the same director or photography or
3: costume nope, design? Nope. There's a very there's a very fuck.
4: Very are, you, lo- are you fucking kidding me? Have you ever looked so <laughs> I know we are getting ready to get into this. So Masters of the Universe, if you actually look at the people who worked on that film, it is nothing but A-list fantastic talent. Nothing but like it's it's insane the amount of talent that was on that and they cranked out that fucking movie because the producers being douches
1: here's the thing here's the thing we'll get into the details but that movie is extremely well made in my opinion i don't know why the fuck they made that movie but the problems are all at the base level once they actually got together and made a film most of the individual elements of the film are done well it's right. was, that's exactly what I was
4: getting ready to say all the individual pieces are great you just have producers and stuff that didn't know how to make those things work together to make a
1: piece movie just, yeah like here's here's what I would have done if I was the producers day one what you do is you have the writers right those that's kind of your starting point before you make a movie you have to have a script so you have your writers what i would have done is i would have exposed those writers to the source material in some way <laughs> i would have just and then I, when people were building the sets and designing the costumes like say the costume designer's in a room right and she's about to get ready to do her job what i would have done is i would have hired some guy probably you could get somebody to do this for minimum wage and i would have just i would have had them go in there and, and show her the he-man toys so that she would know what one looks like before she designed the costumes. That's what I would have done. But I guess it's not not up to me.
3: Well, Doug, why don't you tell everybody what Masters of the Universe is actually about? Okay. And we'll get into what it should be about.
1: Um, so, in a place that I guess is Eternia, but it's not really clear. Uh... Skeletor has taken the sorceress
3: uh, who runs Castle Greyskull Prisoner played by uh, Ross and uh, Monica's mom from Friends
1: okay again cast really well done the casting in this movie (laughs) is great but we'll get into the details on that (laughs) so anyways what happened so they had like a magical key invented by um, this little midget monster thing
4: um, that's Gwildor. They, Gwildor. I don't yeah. I don't know how you would forget his name, seeing how they say it a million times throughout this film. Because
1: it should have been fucking Orko, that's why, and I refused to learn his new name. Just, it, again, great casting. Not sure why that guy wasn't playing Orko, but anyways. Yeah, yeah um, they, say
4: Gwild- they say Gwildor nearly as many times as they say the name Michael in The Lost Boys. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, so... Gildor is then saved by He Man, Man at Arms, and Tila. And he explains this whole like, oh, Skeletor has my key. That's how he got into the castle. That's how he defeated the, the sorceress and took her hostage. But look at this, I have another key. And then somehow they end up on Earth by opening a portal way with the key. But they lose the key, so now they're running around fish out of water comedy style trying to find this key, not understanding what cows are, or the fact that people need <laughs> meat on Earth, because apparently that he may be in that fucking big, has nothing to do with the fact he never eats anything with fucking protein in it. Um, I don't know. They make some friends on Earth, eventually Skeletor tracks him down. Big battle ensues. They get uh, carried back to Eternia, where they Finally, fight it out. He then throws Skeletor down a pit, and they—an early example of them thinking they knew how to make some guy look like he was falling, even though they don't. Which we <laughs> bring up a lot on this podcast, and mostly in discussions of '90s movies. But this uh, movie was ahead of its time in that they threw a guy down a pit and thought, "Man, this is going to look great," and it looks <laughs> terrible. Oh, uh, and uh, yeah, so that's it. They win the day. For some reason, the cop is now the king of Eternia. It makes no sense. I
3: don't know know if he's king. I think he's just maybe he's He's like this the sorcerer's bodyguard or something.
1: Yeah, he's like a vice count or something. It it sort of seems like he's gonna marry the sorceress and take a place beside her, but I don't know why she's suddenly into this guy.
3: Well no, because he's got that other woman that he's all handsy with that apparently he just met. By the way, it it th-
1: didn't make enough sense for me to bother caring.
3: No, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, That's uh, Strickland like, from Back to the Future, by the yeah, way. For yes, everybody.
1: He's
4: he's angry authority figure from every 80s movie. Yes.
3: Yeah.
4: <laughs> Again,
1: really well cast in the role of that cop that shouldn't have been in this movie. <laughs> but let's start with the casting of this movie, because the casting is fantastic. Like, uh-huh. you, you you sit back, you know, okay, Dolph Lundgren as He-Man is it's a little uninspired, but it's what you're going to get. If you make a He-Man movie in 1987, it's, it's like the easy, obvious choice, right?
3: Him or Schwarzenegger, but Schwarzenegger's accents way too thick.
1: Yeah. And Schwarzenegger is never going to be, he's not going to look natural blonde.
3: No. Right. And plus he was plus, Co- Conan him, and like, that's, that's
1: the a whole Cannon, It's a canon movie by 1987. Canon couldn't afford Schwarzenegger. Sure. <laughs> right. Although, although once again, they blew a lot of money on this film. Yeah, but not... Like, <laughs> this is the same year The Running Man, so...
3: Yeah, they ain't got Running Man money.
1: Yeah. But anyways, like then, uh, Franklin Jella as Skeletor, which is not, like, in my opinion, an obvious choice, but he's fantastic in the role. Like, he does a great job.
4: Oh, man, he fucking... He crushes it. And the worst yeah. thing is, he crushes it so hard that I think it actually drags the movie down a little bit. (laughs) Because because he's got all these these fucking people stumbling around him trying to act. (laughs) Dolph Lundgren is not on the same level
1: no no No, he is not you're correct to make that observation I'm not going to hold Frank Langella accountable for the fact that nobody else could act as well as him (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to hold that against him (laughs) I'm not not
4: blaming him I'm just saying it's an unfortunate side effect of his talent in this particular film
3: (sighs) yeah I guess and the funny thing is he only played Skeletor because his son loved his action figure Skeletor, right. so he's like, "Yeah, all right." All
1: right, well, what about Meg Foster as Evil Lynn? I thought she was really good.
2: Oh, she's hot. good.
1: Yeah, like I thought she was. I thought she was really good in the role. She suits it too. Like, yeah, I, I wouldn't have guessed it, but um, you know, when you actually see it, you're like, "Wow, that's that's perfect." Like, that's who you should have gotten. You guys did that right.
2: Well,
3: for some reason, I always thought that. uh uh, the the evil Kryptonian chick from Superman 2. Sure. For some reason, I always thought she played her. And then when I was watching, I'm like, no, that's Meg Foster. Why yeah, I like, think that other lady was in this. I
1: don't know. I, I like how I, nobody knows her name. But, yeah. But, the, you know, it's fine. No, but, like, that was good. And, and I even thought, like, the, the Man-at-Arms and Tila, I thought they were well cast. Mm. Uh, again, I don't know why they weren't playing Man-at-Arms and Tila from the cartoon <laughs> and comics and stuff. Like... Like, it, it makes sense to me that you would, if you're going to name them the same, that you would go ahead and have like them be the same characters. But they I don't were, know. I don't Well, cast man, man, at, man
4: at arms. Isn't too far
1: off. I don't know. If he, you know what part of it is? Is he felt too real world. They're like, what if he was like a real soldier that fought alongside E-Man? And you're like, I don't want him.
3: <laughs> you wanted him to wear green and have the yellow armor. Yes.
1: Yes I did well, I mean, And I get that you're going to tone it down a bit For the movie like that It wouldn't be that bright yellow and bright greens necessarily But like They dressed him like he was a Vietnam vet And he's just running around like. Except for the fact that the gunshot lasers He pretty much was That's what he was And I'm like, I don't appreciate that anyways, no. I, uh, That was my first point about this movie I thought the casting Was fantastic
3: And I thought uh, a lot of the Courtney Cox Jimmy. is our is our lead human.
1: Yeah, yeah, she's the girl from the uh, Bruce Springsteen video. If people don't know who she is,
3: Mm-hmm. yeah, she hasn't really done much since this movie.
1: Right. And again, Billy Barty as um, Billy Bardi as the as uh, is what should have been Orko. Again, he would have been great.
3: <laughs> Why not just give is him they- a, a red hat and a red cloak to wear and just call him Orko? Yeah, he doesn't fly, but you know, whatever. Uh,
4: sure. I was going to say, here's here's the truth. I think of all the things in the movie that would have required a special effect to really, really land, it would have been an orgo. Mm. And I and I don't know if you noticed toward the end of the movie when they're on the little hover discs, but uh, <laughs> even though they hired one of the best special effects guys on the planet, if you don't have money left <laughs> because you wasted it all,
1: yeah, yeah, the flying the flying disc game, but we, I mean, we're three years after Slimer came out. Why can't they use that technology
4: once once again? Because they blew all the money. There's a, there's a story to all this. Yeah, they, I know, had, I know. they I know. had a lot of money to make this movie, and they fucked it up. Uh,
3: Wikipedia says the budget was twenty two million. Jesus Christ! And, that, and that's nineteen eighty seven money, so.
1: In 1987, the idea of spending $22 million on a He-Man movie is so ludicrous. <laughs> like now it's like ludicrously small. But in 1987, that was an insane amount of money to pump in.
4: Yeah. And just, and just a reminder, it was canon. They gave yeah. canon that much. <laughs> <sighs> uh,
3: uh, uh, for comparison. Yeah, they, they, uh, so,
4: they fucked up so bad.
3: Since you brought up Slimer, yeah, the budget of the first Ghostbusters three years earlier, and Wikipedia is listed between twenty-five and thirty million.
2: Okay,
3: so it's about the same ballpark.
4: Yeah, yeah,
1: equivalent budgets.
3: the The box office on both of them (laughs) drastically different.
1: Are are you sure? Yeah, (laughs) I haven't double checked. Yeah. Anyways, what what are you guys' immediate thoughts on this movie? Because my immediate thought is this is an extremely well made movie. It's just somebody forgot to make the movie. Like at the very beginning stages, <laughs> they're like, "Is this like Star Wars?" And somebody should have gone, "No." I mean, that's that's what somebody should have done, right? They should have said, "No, there we don't have stormtroopers in this." don't stop painting those stormtrooper costumes black we don't have stormtrooper. oh fuck There's i see. stormtroopers in the movie <laughs> that
4: that stuff i don't hate as much my my general opinion of this movie always has been all the parts of the movie that take place in eternia are are pretty solid like i don't i, I don't really have a lot of complaints about that
3: well but you see like that, a throne room and a mountaintop and that's about it
4: yeah you don't you don't see much, but the, well, that's what I was going to say. The, the, is the really problem funny. is, is that's a total of fifteen minutes of this entire film. Yeah, all the rest of it is in New York, and while some of the jokes are kind of funny, like, there is not, is no bueno. What was the funny joke in the movie? <laughs> I don't the, the eating the bucket of chicken. I I still to this day think that that's fucking hilarious. Really? Oh cool? yeah. I know, I know, you probably don't think that's funny about her being like, well, I don't get how they put the white sticks in, and they're like, it's bones! And then they walk off, and Goldor is sitting there looking all confused, and he's like, it tasted good?
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's but, see, the problem, I guess, and maybe this is just me slightly overthinking, which I've been known to do, but it's like, how can... Men at arms enjoy eating meat Because he remembers a time When they ate meat But his kid doesn't even know That that's a concept that exists Because that's the premise of that joke and
4: Well I think it's sense. supposed to be That he's had to survive in the wild Before and make do While Tila Never has But he's
3: she, She's an entitled it, he's millennial
1: Is that what's going on there? <laughs> but millennials know baby boomers Exist I don't know anyways we're going to disagree on whether that's a funny joke or not we're not going to disagree on the whole spending like two minutes of screen time being like what is this and then it's just a cow and they're like and then Gwildor tries to talk to it for four minutes and I'm just like just move on on from the fucking cow first of all you're in a swamp and there's a cow there we're already having issues but
4: (laughs) also uh, also, important context to this movie. I don't know if you guys know this, but so while they were making this movie, Canon was also making Superman 4 <laughs> at the yeah. same time.
3: And slash Superman 4's budget right in half while they were making it.
1: I sort of feel like you could tell that just by watching the two movies. Superman 4 has got to get on the list one of these days.
4: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if the last time we talked about Canon movies. Did did we talk about their fundraising stuff that they used to do?
3: Was it sell the foreign rights and then use that money to make the movies?
4: Well, all sorts of crazy shit. So they would hire an artist to make a mock-up movie poster for a movie they wanted to make that hadn't been made yet. And then they would go somewhere like the Cannes Film Festival and tell people, hey, we've got this movie we're making. <laughs> you know it's all pretty much done mm-hmm. we just need a little bit more money could you give us a little bit more money <laughs> and basically trick people into investing you know several people into giving them small amounts of money and then they would go back and make the movie which they had not even they didn't even have a fucking script for it all they had was a poster
3: oh yeah that's pretty good I mean, that, that's that shit trauma and wine scenes used to do
1: yeah yeah it doesn't seem like it's that... That doesn't even sound scozy to me by Hollywood standards. I'm like, yeah, okay. I can see that. I'm glad that worked out for them.
4: Well, the, the problem is, is by doing that, they kind of... I don't know. It's it's the story of canon so fucking crazy. Because somehow they managed to crank out shit movies and then had a couple random successes. And I, I would argue through no earning, they didn't... <laughs> they did not intentionally make a couple big successes they just happened to jumble up the bits and you know fucking break and came out <laughs> you know what i mean like, <laughs> they were like let's make a movie about breakdancing throw in a bunch of random shit and everybody just so happened to love it yeah. and and somehow that's right, kind of what hollywood is though i would i would say partially but i think a lot of it is you have people with talent who understand storytelling and filmmaking who push a project in a direction and they're more likely to succeed. So, uh, I don't I think necessarily we can agree. agree. <laughs> so so like you don't think that Stanley Kubrick <laughs> could put together a film and and it would generally probably be
1: yeah, a better Curric film than Michael just... Bay. But Stanley Kubrick isn't a studio exec. Stanley Kubrick is a director and an artist. And it's just bullshit luck that Studio Execs made money on some of his early movies is why he got to keep making movies and to get control of those movies.
4: Man, acceptable.
1: That's the Studio Execs don't they don't understand. Anyways, this conversation has less to do with E Man than the fucking movie we're supposed to be talking about.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, imm- immediate we'll just... thoughts on the movie? <laughs>
3: I mean, I think we can all agree. I mean, did you watch this when you were younger? Yes. And When you got this movie, you're like, "Wait, this is supposed to be a He-Man movie." See, because I will you got say that. you got like I don't know what they're, if their thinking was. Well, kids see He-Man on Eternia every day, so what if he's on Earth? Will that blow their minds?
1: I don't understand what the logic of the decision making is because to me, Eternia is a desert planet. Which is not hard to replicate. If you're like filming anywhere in the world, you can find locations that would look like you, you want Eternia to look. Yeah, I, it doesn't seem to make any sense to me that you would bring it.
3: You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I would have to guess it's a budget thing where they're just like, "Well, we can shoot on the Warner's back lot in their their city set or whatever." But
1: but it's like again, like it is a desert if you're in California, there's deserts there and you just yeah. go film it.
3: Yeah. No, like it I agree. You
1: know what I mean? Like it's, uh, and then you're just, your only sets are the interiors, which we, they had for the throne room of castle gray skull. And mm-hmm. like, cause they did a good job of recreating that like castle gray skull looked cool. The map paintings that they had and stuff were cool. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, just spend more time in them. Yeah. Like, Instead of spending all that time running around Earth, getting chased around by a cop, and dealing with teenage romances and shit, have, like, show us where Skeletor takes over Castle (laughs) Greyskull. How about that? Show that, and then have He-Man take it back over, make it a simple action
2: movie.
1: There you go. Uh, Even as a kid, I remember, because I liked this movie a lot in the 80s, because I was just... You know, when you're a kid and it's just, well, that's He-Man on the movie. So since I like He-Man, I now automatically like this kind of thing. But it's like, even then I remember thinking, like, why are they on Earth? Why would you do that? Why, yeah.
4: does, why does He-Man fight with a gun more than he fights with his giant, awesome sword right? that is literally part of the character? <laughs> yeah.
1: Like, yeah, make like, the story in the cartoon was often like or in the comics at least i think that i read when i was a kid so don't quote me on any of this stuff it's been a long time but like a lot of it had to do with them trying to combine the pieces of the sword to make like the big powerful weapon and whoever could wield that would have control and make that your plot right
4: Right. yeah so that's the that's the first run of the comics and then they did away with that
1: but I mean, like every kid had the He-Man sword and the Skeletor sword at home that you could snap together to make one really powerful sword. Right.
4: Mm-hmm. right. So every kid. And, kid it, and it worked it as a it. key, and you could unlock Castle
1: Grayskull. Yeah. Yeah. Because I even had like the big swords that you could like fight with yourself that lock together like that. I
3: thought Ooh, they were so We weren't we weren't rich enough to have the giant swords, but I did have the action figures where you could snap the swords together.
1: Yeah.
4: Yeah, and it's like yeah, and then they kind of they abandoned that whenever they made the cartoon, and instead Skeletor became more of a sorcerer. And like gave him like that crazy goat skull head staff thing. Yeah.
3: yeah, yeah, I don't know. So, so for me, like the story is just kind of like, well, this this doesn't follow anything.
1: Yeah, it doesn't and make th- any sense. That killed Earth.
3: And then the big, the other big thing I have is Skeletor's minions are terrible. And you have a whole like selection like beast man is the only one they use and you don't even really do anything with them yeah so you have a whole collection you could use mm-hmm. and I just looked it up the uh, the monster squad budget was 12 million dollars <laughs> if you took gill and made him merman and then of course yeah. you know you got beast man and then I don't know you had a giant lizard dude is whiplash was that was his name
1: the point being there were by 1987 you could have picked any number of guys you want and they go and they invent new characters that aren't particularly appealing no like the one guy is just his name is blade and he just fights with two swords and he just loses to e-man who only has one sword so what the (laughs) hell's the point like
4: (laughs) i've heard him compared to people say he looks like uh like drag queen Thor, <laughs> it's not, like
1: it's not even that it's that bad of a character. It's that it's not nearly as good as the e man characters that exist. Mm-hmm. And it's like why are you doing that? Like why yeah. not? You know what I mean? Like if you had one extra character, that might just be a way to introduce a new toy to your toy line. Sure. Yeah. Tra- like you're not gonna have four, four of your like is it four bad guys that get sent back? Initially.
3: Yeah. And
1: three of them are guys you'd never heard of. And I can't even tell you their names now. And then Beastman <laughs> who doesn't really look like Beastman. <laughs> Sal Sa- Rod. Sa- Rod's the lizard. Ugh. Is it the squirmy like white faced guy? Is that he was supposed to be a lizard is that what we're talking about? No, no, no the lizard who's wearing a bear trap on his head. Yeah. Oh, okay. That was yeah. supposed to be a lizard. I I accept it. I don't know what was the white guy with the like fucking afro supposed to be Uh,
3: (laughs) who knows (laughs) so my point is they did not use nearly enough of the the he-man property in this they could have and i don't i mean i think it's just the it's just canon films they just didn't care they're like we have this license we need he-man we need skeletor that's it (laughs) To figure out a movie.
4: The weird thing is it almost feels like they did the whole jump to the real world as a way to save money on the budget. Yeah. But but once again, famously, they blew through the fucking budget of this movie anyway. <laughs> yeah. In which yeah. I, don't, I don't know if you guys know all that story and shit. So, you know, the, the we'll end fight scene yeah. where it's kind of just dark and they're fighting and it, and it looks really, really bad. Mm-hmm. That's... That's no joke because they completely ran out of money. They were out of money and didn't film the end of the film. And that was supposed to actually be like this epic fight of, you know, them leaping over pits and shit and beating the fuck out of each other. But they were just out of money (laughs) and the sets were half tore down. So they were like, just turn off the lights and we'll just (laughs) edit some shit in.
3: Well, I even yeah, heard, man. I even heard it, it was even worse than that, where they were, they were filming the ending. The producer basically came in and was like, no, we're done. We're done. Turn that camera off. Start packing shit up. Yeah. And then, and yeah, then the, the, the goal saw all the footage and like, there's no ending. And the director's like, yeah, cause your producer shut it down. Like mid, mid filming, like literally they were in the middle of a scene and the producer's like, nope, shut it all off. Shut it all off, we're done. So, yeah. yeah, they had to go back and film that shitty dark ending <laughs> yeah. just to have something.
4: Yeah, the whole the whole story's not so. so they, like, built, you know, they built the Skeletor's throne room set, and they spent a ton on fucking prosthetics and shit for these stupid characters that nobody gave a fuck about, and they built these crazy giant fucking vehicles for Skeletor to ride around down and shit. And, and they just they burned through all of it they just spent all the fucking money on this dumb dumb shit that they yeah and admittedly it's it's some of the only stuff in the movie that looks cool but you can't spend your whole fucking budget on <laughs> three or four things like that's mm-hmm. dumb you need to make a movie yeah.
1: yeah it's and that's that's on the producer too. the guy that walked in and shut it down according to Brian is it, that it's his fault you're in charge of that shit.
4: Right. Like, like I said, cause for, for all of the shit that seems bad in this movie, like I said, if you look through the credits at the people who worked on it, it's like the guy who wrote the fucking dark crystal wrote this movie (laughs) in which I'm sure he wrote a good movie. And then there's two more writing credits on top of his of rewrites. So they took his great script, I'm sure, and trashed it and turned it into this garbage. And then, uh, what is it? The, like, the cinematographer, like, did the cinematography for, like, Lawrence of Arabia or something fucking crazy like that? You know, it, like... But again, I
1: think if you look at a lot of these individual elements, like, the cinematography, I don't think is bad. Like, yeah, that final fight scene is shot in the dark, and it's poorly coordinated and stuff, but that's not his fault. You know what I mean? Like, he was doing right. what he had to do.
4: No, and you're, also, and you're right, but if, if that's... That's the whole thing. It's 100%. In this case, it's 100% the producers not letting people who know how to make a good film make a good film.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, and not not caring whether the property was treated with respect. Because if they had just started with, we're going to write a good E-Man movie, a lot of this other stuff would have all just fallen into place, right? I mean, the costumes to make... The, He-Man, the actual He Man villains instead of these random characters that they invented off the top of their heads wouldn't have been that much more expensive. You know what I mean? Like, you could have, again, mm-hmm. filming in the desert isn't that much more expensive than filming on a back lot. I'm sure there's a back lot somewhere that's a desert set somewhere in Hollywood that they could have just shot on if that's the case. You know, it, it makes no sense that they couldn't make a good He Man movie on $22 million in 1987. Mm hmm. And, you know, yeah, Yeah. you're not going to get exactly what you want out of it, but they don't think there's no backstory to any of these characters. So it's not like they're giving us like an origin of any kind. So we're expected to already know who the characters are at the beginning of the movie. But then they're not the characters, you know, from the previous source material. So how can you be expected to know who they are if there's nothing leading up to it? It makes no sense. Yeah, right.
4: Right. I was going to say, I think the thing. So once again, I I can kind of enjoy this movie on the level of ha 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 bad He-Man movie with Dolph Lundgren in it. Yeah, which but, is
3: about which is, which is about where I'm at too. It's not right. it's not a great representation of anything, but sometimes I'm just like, what? Is, look at what they spent money on for a He-Man movie.
1: Right. Well, and there's definitely elements of the movie that like I do enjoy. I do enjoy some of like the shootout in the record store or music store like I do enjoy that fight scene I think it's well done I just don't understand why any part of this movie is taking place in a music (laughs) store let alone that that's like one of the sets they keep returning to over and over again like and I don't understand, like, when Evil inn like I say, I, I think Meg Foster does a really good job in the role. I don't understand why the one time she uses her magic powers is to trick fucking Courtney Cox into thinking her mom's alive because her mom was, like, a CIA agent or some weird shit. And it's like, I don't... Like, again, like, it's, it's not poorly made. It's just, why the fuck are you making that?
4: Right, and whenever you've gotten somebody like you know, make Foster fucking in this movie as evil Lynn doing a great job and
1: killing it. Why the fuck don't you just use that character? Yeah. Like just edit out fucking one of the other villains and right. give her more time, more things to do. And then you save that little bit of money and you could fucking actually film your ending, I guess. I don't know. It's, it's a lot of weird shit like that. Cause I like, if this wasn't a He-Man movie, if this was, you know, some other random name. I don't think it would bug me that much. The storyline and stuff, right? Like, I think i as a kid's fantasy action adventure movie from 1987, I think it would be fine. It's just because of its connection to other things. Where you're like, why are you using the names for stuff if you're not planning to make a story about that stuff that you're that you're fucking supposed to be representing.
2: It's weird. Yeah. It and is where weird. the fuck is
1: Battle Cat? <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: <laughs> I understand why budget-wise it might have been hard to get a, a giant tiger into the movie.
3: Hey, they did it on Beastmaster.
1: That's true. It's, and they solved. even they even painted that cat. <laughs> That, that's a prime example, though. Beastmaster must have had a significantly smaller budget than this. I don't remember what we talked about when we watched that movie. And it's set in a world that looks much more like Eternia than this one
3: does. I mean, I always considered it like that's what a uh, He-Man movie should be, is Beastmaster. And it had <laughs> a n- $9 million budget. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I, I was going
4: to say, although the, the funny two. thing is, is, that's a weird comparison, because then Beastmaster 2 is the one where he travels oh, through time, and then it's a fish out of water. Oh, trust me. Story.
3: Trust so. me. I, I looked it up to see if Beastmaster 2 came out around this time. It came out in 92, so a yeah. good five years after this. But someone yeah, saw this movie and was like, that we should do this with Beastmaster.
4: Oh, that's funny. God damn it. Yeah, I, I think Beastmaster 2. <laughs> I, I think the thing that makes me the angriest whenever I think about this movie is the fact that it has royally fucked the property so bad that it's been so hard to get a movie made Mm -hmm. which is which is just completely unjustified because it's a great property it has nothing to do with he-man it has everything to do with the producers of canon
1: (laughs) yeah again expose your writers to the source material (laughs) show the toys to the costume designer so she'll make the costumes look like the toy costumes
4: like i said it once, once again the original writer was the writer of the dark crystal i just i cannot believe that it wasn't a better script than this
1: well we don't know what parameters he was handed either right when he's hired to do a job if they said hey we're planning on filming this in you know on a city thing and he's like what a team man and they're like we'll figure out a way to get him there and if you know if the method of getting him there isn't terrible if that's what he was starting with but he shouldn't have been starting with that right mm. kind of like the, the elements of, like even like the gildor complaining that he's not fucking uh, orgo I don't dislike the character he's kind of funny a couple of times it's billy bardie it's a good performance
2: mm.
1: you know he fits into the story that they're telling I, I just the whole time I'm watching it thinking why are they telling this story why is this what they're choosing to do
3: um, it's one of my favorite on set stories uh, i trying to think when did Rocky 4 come out I think that was like 85. 85 so two years before this so apparently while they're making this uh, Sylvester Stallone was a guest on the set I'm assuming okay. him and Dolph were hanging out and hey stop by the set I think,
1: they're, I think they're buddies
3: Yeah. so they get there and they're explaining, I don't know, he's talking to whoever. And then someone said it was something about you uh, know, Dolph's the lead or something. Just that he has a lot of dialogue. And Sylvester Stallone looked at him and just said, you gave this guy lines?
1: <laughs> well, yeah. it's problematic. Because he's speaking through that accent the whole movie.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
4: At least he got better over the
1: years. Yeah. Better at picking <laughs> roles. Yeah, better at picking roles where he didn't have to do things like this.
3: Yeah. So,
1: <laughs> yeah. When it, so, one of
4: the rewrites of this script was done by the guy who, after this,. His biggest success was doing the series Captain Power and the Soldiers of the Future. (laughs) Yeah. I believe the director worked on that as well. Right. And then he wrote such great things as T2, 3D Battle Across Time, and Jurassic Park, The Ride. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Somebody's got to write the rides. The rides need scripts, too. Once, Once again, that's the guy they hired... To rewrite the guy who wrote The Dark Crystal
1: <laughs> Yeah I, I Rewrite As in Get rid of some of the budget Ugh. This movie
3: um, Alright So this thing I'm reading on Wikipedia Which will help lead us Into Cyborg <laughs> Is uh so of course this did terribly at the box office. Not a big surprise. And the failure of this, Superman four, the quest for peace, and Life Force, the Toby Hooper movie. That apparently cost twenty five million to make.
4: Tell you what though, I like Life Force.
3: Eh, I thought it was kinda of boring, but naked chick on screen the whole movie, so can't be too upset. Um that, of course, contributed to canon eventually closing. But the original idea was to do a sequel. And this says that it was titled Masters of the Universe 2 Cyborg, which I don't believe. But we'll lead into stuff. Um, and was to follow He-Man, who returned to Earth to battle Skeletor, who has left Earth as a post-apocalyptic wasteland. So that's good, guys. Our Our planet got turned into a wasteland. And the film was to feature Trapjaw and She-Ra. Dolph apparently said, yeah, I'm not coming back for that piece of garbage. And so pro surfer Laird Hamilton, who I don't know who that is, uh, was going to replace Dolph as He-Man. And the only aspect known about the sequel screenplay was that He-Man would have returned to Earth disguised as a professional quarterback.
4: What the fuck?
3: Yeah. And apparently <laughs> the, the budget of this movie was gonna be four point five million.
1: I'm legitimately mad that somebody had that idea. I don't <laughs> even want to... <laughs> even though somebody didn't make it, which is the correct way to handle that idea to not make it, but I'm just mad that somebody even had thought that up and thought it was acceptable to say it publicly.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um so the sequel that never happened was going to be directed by Albert Pyun PYUN however you pronounce that maybe just Yun um he was going to direct that and their proposed Spider-Man movie pretty much at the same time the idea was going to be he's going to shoot like 2 or 3 weeks on Spider-Man And they'd do all the pre-Spider-Man, Peter Parker stuff. And then he would go and work on the He-Man sequel, giving the actor from Spider-Man time to bulk up and then come back afterwards and film the rest of it. So both of these movies were put into, uh, you know, pre-production. They had locations all set up. They had sets. They had wardrobes. They had a bunch of stuff, like, all ready to go and then uh then apparently they bounced their check to uh mattel who owned marvel at the time and so they lost the rights to spider-man and then of course the the massive universe thing just did terribly and then uh whoever whoever owned he-man saw it and was like yeah we're not we're not okaying a sequel whatsoever
4: Oddly enough, I think that was Hasbro
3: Was it Hasbro? I couldn't remember which Which one
4: Yeah, so so it's weird that they were dealing with Two toy companies
3: Yeah um, So they just uh, They're just like Well, we lost both of this Fuck, we already started it um, And then they just turned to the director Like, can you just Make up a movie to use these sets In these costumes And the guy's like, sure, why not? And that is where Cyborg comes from.
4: Man, so here's the thing with Cyborg. They got so close to making a decent movie. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, you can see it. You can see the bones of a good post-apocalyptic movie in here. And they just they just fucked it
1: up <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tell us the plot so that we can
4: discuss it though yeah. uh, Okay so Jean-Claude Van Damme is a I think they call them slicers Is that right? Slingers Slingers, thank you uh, Which are basically Bodyguards who help people get From point A to point B in this Dangerous hellscape of the future Uh, There is a cyborg lady who, within her cyborg brain, has the cure to the plague that has devastated the world. She is abducted by a group of uh, pirates who are basically your typical Mad Max uh, post-apocalyptic bad guys. Uh, And, yeah. I mean that's literally the entire plot He he chases them down And then throughout the movie we find out That there's an additional backstory Where he had attempted to Quit the slinger life And live out a peaceful existence But this pirate captain douchebag Fucked his whole (laughs) life up And now he's out for blood and revenge Uh,
3: The bad guy's name is Fender Because if you pay attention Every character in this movie Is named after a guitar (laughs) is that true that's yeah Van Dam's name is Gibson and yeah other people yeah it's terrible Van Dam's name Van Damme's name is
1: Van Dam, and I don't appreciate you <laughs> telling me
4: otherwise okay <laughs> so so here is my biggest complaint of this entire movie and this I you guys may disagree with me and think that this is such a nothing problem in a movie filled with weirdness what the fuck's up with the bad guy's voice because that's clearly not his voice they did some kind of voice modulation thing on him to make his voice deeper.
1: I was and I think maybe they
4: just completely voiced him over.
1: I was gonna ask you guys, do you was this movie originally shot in English? I think that's a legitimate question. I think so.
4: Yeah so so.
3: I
1: don't know though. Because it it feels like one of those like old like Italian movies where it was like everything is dubbed
4: yeah i was gonna say because that that weird deep voice that they put on him is so fucking bad it doesn't like and and the weird thing is he like he's got a good creepy look to him you know he's got those like crazy eyes and stuff and that dude is kind of like especially at the end whenever you see him without that stupid chainmail fucking <laughs> <laughs> tabard they have on the him. Uh,
3: the chainmail shirt that he borrowed from the villain from commando
4: Right, yes. right. But I'm saying he's like he's like shredded. He's he actually is an intimidating, intimidating looking villain guy. But you can't take him seriously when the last scene of the movie is nothing
1: but him going, Rarrr! 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 <laughs> so much emphasis on the grunting in this movie.
4: Oh my god! And and it's clearly like I said, it's that voiceover with some kind of weird modulator on it. I just don't, I don't fucking, there's no way There's no, unless that guy sounds like fucking Michael Tyson
1: Did you just say Michael Tyson? Yes, Yes. Michael Tyson Like like you're getting him in trouble because he won't
4: come to the dinner table when you called I'm just saying even worse,
2: even worse (laughs)
4: You know what I mean I'm just saying on what earth was that A better decision than leaving whatever That guy's voice is because like I said (laughs) Unless he In the end of that movie With him going
3: I don't know but I I would I would would rewatch this movie Like tomorrow if someone were to Dub it over into that voice you just did (laughs)
4: Like I said it's just That's fucking nuts I just, I don't have a whole lot of other complaints in this movie other than like reusing footage. You should never reuse the same footage twice in a film ever.
1: (laughs) Oh, now you're being
4: nitpicky.
3: I did like how they don't trust the audience. So literally he'll have a conversation with somebody. And then like two minutes later, he wanders off into another section and then you hear the voiceover of the conversation they just had. (laughs) To remind you of what he's looking for?
1: At first I thought there was something wrong with the movie, and then I'm like, no, no, they just put in voiceover to remind us of what he's doing. (laughs) I like, at the very beginning of the movie, there's like, literally the voiceover, I think, happens first of the villain, saying basically his, the reason he's the villain, the reason he's trying to stop this cyborg from, what is she trying to do?
3: Get cure to the plague, that's get to idea. Atlanta. Did right. you not hear them say she has to get to Atlanta like 20 times in the first 10 minutes of the did. movie?
1: But I was trying to remember exactly why she was going there, and it's to bring the cure, because back when your nation tried to cure diseases, that's where the CDC was. Um,
3: you should get a slinger to take you to Atlanta, because you need to be in Atlanta for when you're traveling to Atlanta, you should probably have a slinger in Atlanta.
1: Oh. Uh, I like this world. (laughs) (laughs) At least that was on my point. You're both interrupting me, but at least he's, (laughs) it's so ridiculous. They do like the voiceover of the guy just saying he likes the world. And then the guy walks on screen. I'm like, I bet you that's the guy that likes the world. And he's like, I like this world. And I'm like, I just, you just fucking had the voiceover. Tell me that you don't need to say it out loud again. Exposition is one thing. Doing the same exposition twice within 30 seconds is a bit much. (laughs) But you guys, that... deep down, you guys know what pissed me off about this movie. You guys can probably guess.
4: Uh, that Van it's Van called doesn't Cyborg
1: do... and that there's a cyborg
4: in the movie, but it has literally nothing to do with the cyborg.
3: Or the Van Damme doesn't do the splits in the movie?
1: He does. So. Yes, he does. Oh,
3: does he? Did I miss it? Yeah,
1: he's, like, he's up in the air and he's just doing the splits and holding himself up by pushing his feet up against each wall.
3: Wow, I missed that.
1: <laughs> um, no, it's was the fucking the slow motion so much slow motion oh yeah it was fucking destroying my soul watching this movie with the fucking slow motion it just it was so like I'm like you have perfectly good setups of everything it's like at one point they're like running through like a swampy thing they went through like a sewer to get to a swamp for some reason and they're running and it's like this is a cool setup for a Van Damme style fight because there's like the water on the ground and everything it's like this is a good setup and then they just start running and then all of a sudden they're running in slow motion and they look over your shoulder and there's the one guy running him after him in slow motion and they're running again and they look over their shoulder and there's the other guy running in slow motion and I'm like holy (laughs) shit (laughs) run your camera at normal speed before I lose my mind there was so much slow motion in this movie
3: But how are you going to see his awesome split kicks when he jumps up in the air and kicks the dude in the face if it's not in slow motion? It
1: looks so much better when they're not in slow motion. (laughs) That's the whole point. And I I think that that's a lot of the slow motion in this movie. I think the reason they had to do it is because they had Jean-Claude Van Damme who can do all this cool, wicked shit, right? Mm -hmm. But none of the guys he was fighting could do anything. So I think what they were literally doing is they were having him, like, stand still and then the other guy like kicks them poorly and it's like it, it would just look terrible at normal speed and it would be obvious that he was standing still and allowing them to hit him. So that's why I think they had to like slow it mm-hmm. down to try to give it some concept of having weight to it. But it didn't work. Instead it just pissed me off. <laughs> like I don't think anybody in this film knew how to do anything fighting wise except for John Claude I think he's the only one literally who knew how to do anything. <laughs>
4: <laughs> ah, Freddy Krueger voice. <sighs> yeah, I was going to say, though, because once a lot of this film, the problem is in like execution. Because I, once again, it's all there. Like the scene with. Uh, I I don't quite understand exactly what type of giant bucket they're in in that well that holds <laughs> the two full-grown people and a child. But the whole thing of, like, you know, telling the little girl that, you know, if all you have to do is hold them and handing her the barbed wire, that's such a fucking great idea. What a great, awful 80s thing.
1: Like, it's so <laughs> fucking... It's, hor- it's, it's actually horrific to watch it, too. Right. Like when the barbed wire is pulling through her hand and it's all bloody as it comes out of her hand and then they show her, like, face. And it's like, the problem is I just don't care about the character, but the actual, the way that's shot and stuff looks really cool.
4: Right, right. If they had just, if they had opened the movie with just, I don't know, ten, 10 minutes of that whole thing happening... So that they didn't have to replay it twelve times throughout the movie as flashbacks. Yeah,
1: yeah just take the flashbacks and out and, put, and tell the story in chronological order.
4: Right, right, and and once again, show me what kind of bucket are they in? Because I'm real confused about this bucket thing that they're in. That <laughs> I, the <laughs> well, bucket was a little bit confusing. Yeah, I don't like just. It would have made it would have made so much more sense if they had like killed the the girlfriend and then it was just like jean Claude and the child or something hanging there. But I don't know. But yeah, yeah. but but like I said, a lot of it's good. The uh, so the original special effect of the cyborg chick, whenever she pulls off her hair and you just kind of like see the back of her head and stuff, and it mm-hmm. turns. That's actually it's a pretty decent special effect. But then they decide to linger on her face for an extended (laughs) period of time.
3: That's a mistake.
4: Which is completely unnecessary in the shot, too. Like, it doesn't—that does not accomplish anything other than making the effect look bad.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like, weirdly, a lot of the blame for why this movie isn't enjoyable has to go on the editing— because it's stuff like that where it's like, yeah, you get the shot, you get the special effects, but you, you have to cut around the fact that the special effect isn't going to look good if you stare at it. And that's what intelligent filmmakers know how to do. Um, you know, It's also the editor that would put in the slow motion. So I'm starting <laughs> already mad at him. But I, like, a lot of it was like that. And it's like just going from one scene to the next always felt like the individual scenes might be good, but they didn't feel connected. There was something about the way that they would just cut from one thing and cut into the next thing. Mm-hmm. A lot of that stuff, I just felt like it was it felt really choppy. And like you say, like they didn't know when to pull back from shots, and they didn't know when to, to hold shots. and I feel like there's a potential for a good movie here. I mean, the plot is basic post-apocalyptic 80s movie plot. That's fine. There's nothing really wrong with it. You've got Jean Claude Van Damme, so you can do good action scenes. It's just it's so close to being a good movie and it's just not quite there. And I think it's just again, I think you you, you move the story around, you re edit this. You might even be able to re edit the existing footage into a good movie that's fifteen minutes shorter because nothing's in slow motion.
3: Well, I do have some information about that, but I forgot it didn't have it pulled up. So let me pull it up real quick. All right. Because um, the director actually wanted to do something a lot more surreal, I guess. Um, let's see. Uh, First, now I can't find it. Oh, it's because I read it on an article earlier. That's what it was. So I read this big long article about the sort of broke the whole thing down. So apparently, the director wanted to. He, he, what he wanted it to be was like a black and white, like noirish uh, sci fi, you know, post apocalyptic thing uh, done in black and white and with very little dialogue in it. And apparently, he turned into his first edit, and Canon was like, fuck no it's so not what we're doing at all so he had
4: well, a re-edit why no titties in this
3: it pretty much and he had to re-edit and then uh, even after that they did another edit on their own and then uh, yeah so so his vision it apparently had like a different ending that took place like months later I need to see if I can find this article
4: I yeah, think I would actually like to see that cut of this movie
3: the weird thing is, apparently he was um, he was selling uh, selling copies of it on his website on DVD, the director's version of it, like a while ago. But I went to his website, I couldn't find nothing. So I don't know if he got in trouble or what. But
1: yeah, I don't know if I want to see this movie in black and white. I kind of like the way the color palette of the movie looks, actually. I think the movie actually mostly looks good. It's just one of those things where it's like that's not enough.
3: Yeah, here we are. filming was complete. Uh he unassembled assembled a black and white rough cut for of cyborg for Cannes producers to have a look at. I fell in love with the black and white look and screened a uh heavy metal tempo stereo mix and played back a, uh that's blah blah blah. Um as you can imagine, the screening did not go well. They thought I was insane. So then he went back and made a less outlandish edit with color and less deafening rock music. Uh, this got past the muster of a canon, but not with test audiences. By then, Bloodsport had come out and they were expecting more of the Van Damme they had seen in that film, oiled up and high kicking, not as seen in one, one point in the film, Crucified. My cut was more pessimistic and eternal. And more gloomy sci-fi noir than what than the released action adventure.
4: They they royally fucked up with that scene. Yeah, because here's the problem: Conan has the same scene, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Conan's one of the best fucking movies ever made. <laughs> See, I don't think Conan's that good of a movie. Oh, you shut your whore Ooh. mouth!
3: <laughs> I'm actually I'm actually yeah. I'm actually rewatching those this weekend.
4: Yeah, oh man! Whatever he bites, he bites that vulture and sucks its blood out of its neck. <laughs> Fuck yeah! Because I really
1: liked the uh, crucifixion scene in this movie. I thought it looked brutal. It's like of the of the big three that have been uh, action stars in the '80s that have been crucified on film, where it's like Schwarzenegger, Van Damme, and uh, of course uh, Stallone, and kind of gets crucified in the flashback scenes in First Blood. It's like. I think this was the one that looked like it hurt the most. This was the one that was the most brutal. And I think maybe that's part of the problem with this movie is everything looks so brutal and then it doesn't pay itself off necessarily.
3: Um, Let's see. I was trying to find that what they said the ending was going to be. So one of the big things, though, is one of the henchmen, apparently during one of the fight scenes, got injured and lost sight in one of his eyes. Jesus And uh, Four years after this movie Sued Van Dam And won like Five hundred thousand dollars
4: I
1: don't know Like Losing sight in one eye Five hundred grand It's not a bad deal
4: Hmm yeah. I'm assuming at that time Van Dam had it <laughs> Maybe Maybe not anymore
3: Um After let's see Four years from this Uh Yeah he probably would have had it Cause like they were making this Bloodsport hadn't come out yet So he Nobody even really knew who he was At this point Yeah I don't know, what a weird messed up movie
1: It's just a strange movie It's hard to talk about because nothing happens in the movie Except for a collection of fight scenes That are, that are Somewhat nonsensical I mean, Sometimes Jean-Claude Van Damme just sees 12 guys Coming at him And he just You know, stands his ground and takes them all on And other times he immediately runs Because there's no way he could possibly fight 12 guys it's, Nothing's changed between the two though Yeah <laughs> stuff like that is just weird and you're kind of like if you're making a big dumb action movie where we're not supposed to ask those questions then don't take yourself so seriously and just do big dumb you know action movie
3: stuff oh, Here we go. in the extended ending of Yun's director's cut which was supposed to set the stage for a sequel we see an electrical storm and a sphere flashing with a naked woman a cyborg appearing the scene itself was a blatant ripoff of the Terminator of course. And then, yeah, basically he would just set up Terminators versus Van Damme for the next movie. Nice. Uh Noah will be happy to know this guy went on the next year to make the 1990 Captain America movie. Oh, yeah. And uh took over the Kickboxer movies after the first one.
2: Oh, ironically no. enough,
3: So he made... <laughs> Well, he made Kickboxer two, took a break, and then came back for Kickboxer four. Um, made uh, Doll Man in nineteen ninety one for Full Moon, and did the uh, Nemesis movies, which also have cyborgs in them. Uh, this dude has steadily worked all the way up till about twenty seventeen, and from what I read, he uh, has MS and apparently is battling with dementia. So had to retire from filmmaking around 2017 Uh, that's sad that's a bummer yeah the dudes made a shit ton of movies i've barely heard of any of them (laughs) but
1: no it's funny because i looked it up when you were telling the story about how this got made and i'm like how much were they giving to this like nobody filmmaker and then like i hit his imd imdb and it's like oh 53 directorial credits or something like he's not a
4: nobody i just thought he was Yeah,
1: but it's like his. it goes all the way back to the 80s and he has a history of working kind of in this genre so it's
2: mm-hmm.
3: yeah apparently he, yeah, he made the Nemesis movies like I said I've never seen any of them but apparently those have cyborgs in them apparently he made a, a prequel to Cyborg that was not sanctioned okay. and it is not he shot it in like 2013 but it's never been released hmm I think, there, I think MGM there to this movie exists?
4: There's, there's more than one sequel to this movie Yeah,
3: they did two direct-to-video sequels The second one is famous for having Angelina Jolie in it
4: Yeah, and I I like it I, I really like the second one
3: I remember watching it when it was on cable when I was a kid But I don't remember much about it Isn't Jack Palance like the villain or whatever in it?
4: Oh, I couldn't. I couldn't tell you.
3: I think so, but yeah, he's he's in the poster, and it's Cyborg Squared. The two is is put at the title to make it look like it says Squared Glass. Ooh, Elias Kodias oh, is in it, and Billy Drago. Man, there's some actual people in this
4: movie. Yeah, like I said, I actually it's once once again. So it's a, it's a, tra- a direct of. uh, video sequel of a canon film so you gotta you gotta go into this with certain expectations <laughs> but it's it's really enjoyable now the third one Oof. goes goes way off the fucking deep end
3: i'm looking i'm looking at it right now malcolm mcdowell was in it zach galligan okay, from the gremlins so movies
4: this is a the malcolm mcdowell This is the very famous put Malcolm McDowell on the cover of your film, even though he's in your film for two lines.
3: Yeah, Andrew Bernarski's in it, played Leatherface in the first Texas Chainsaw Remake. Interesting. Yeah. So, what a weird fucking movie to come out of the fact that Masters of the Universe was such a piece of garbage at the box office. All right. Does anybody else have anything they want to say about Cyborg?
1: I think it's so close to being a good movie and just somebody forgot to have fun with it. Yeah. If if you're a
4: Van Damme fan, it's probably worth a watch, or if you're just super into like post-apocalyptic movies, it's worth a watch. Mm -hmm. But if neither of those things are like really your thing, this is probably the Van Dam movie to skip and go watch the quest instead. (laughs) Quest.
3: Never seen the quest. Could like to keep it that way probably.
4: Have you ever seen any of Jean Claude Van Damme's other movies? Of course. Then you've seen the quest.
3: Yeah. Isn't it some <laughs> underground like fighting tournament?
4: Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. He goes to a fucking yeah. island to fight the tournament.
3: It seems like I remember reading the description, I'm like, this is fucking blood sport. Did he just yeah, remake he- blood sport?
4: Yeah, the difference in this one is that he ties a corded knot around his forehead. Jesus. That's that's what differentiates The Quest from this other Fight Club movie.
1: He's good at being in Fight Club movies. Leave him alone.
4: No! I just told you to go watch The Quest. Listen! I fucking, <laughs> I fucking love uh, fucking Jean-Claude Van Damme fight movies. It's just, I do. I didn't I will never apologize for it. They're fucking. They're great. They're all great. You <laughs> don't give a shit. The worst one, still pretty good. <laughs> yeah, we should
1: do more John Cleopatra movies on this podcast. It makes more sense.
3: Can we just do Bloodsport over and over? Did it? <laughs> Can, Can we just do it just, again?
1: Just Bloodsport and
4: Kickboxer. Yeah. <laughs> just over and over and over again. <laughs> We haven't yeah. done Kickboxer yet. That way, we? we should revisit Kickboxer. We should just slap all the Sean Claude Van Damme movies in the list. There isn't a single one that I don't. We could watch fucking
1: Hard Target. <laughs> revisit that. I feel like yeah. we did Hard Target on the show, didn't we?
3: I don't think so.
4: I don't think no, no. I don't think we did Hard Target. Oh, I discussed it on some podcast at some point. Hey, <laughs> what's the What's the one with Dennis Rodman in it? <laughs>
3: Oh, Double Team?
4: Double Team?
3: I'd rather do that Double t- double Impact, the one where he plays twins.
1: Right, Double Impact? Lots of Double Stuff.
3: Double Stuff is the porn movie he made when he needed money.
1: <laughs> when, when he did the one where he played twins, when that movie came out, I had a friend who um, believed it, that the whole time there had been two Van Dam brothers that just not known previously and it's it, it's the first time in my life I can remember like actively just deciding not to be friends with anyone anymore I'm like that's that's too dumb I can't just can't be friends with you anymore
3: oh no <laughs> sorry
1: time, time sorry, cop haven't here. been time cop yet uh, time, cop. Did time cop
3: I don't think so
1: and we did time cop around the time we did the because uh, we did the one where you die hard in a hockey arena
3: yeah, we've never done that one either. It's on the list. We just haven't done it.
1: Oh, we haven't done it yet. Oh. I can't keep track. We've done too many movies. That's right? I,
4: I could have sworn we did that.
3: Sudden Death? No. It's still on the list, yeah, I believe.
4: Yeah, didn't, didn't we do Sudden Death and Sudden Death? Oh, no.
1: remember it, there was like four movies called Sudden Death, so maybe there's still some on the list.
3: We talked about doing Sudden Death. The one with uh, Dolph Lundgren. But I don't think I don't think we've done it.
0: Well, let's so, get this shit all
3: figured out later. See, it's, it's too bad we don't have a way to check all this stuff. Uh-
0: Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at mndriveinpod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com remember no outside food and drink anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office unspeakable things will be done to you thanks for calling
3: yeah I'm looking right here in the in the uh new section at the bottom of the list is sudden death with slash question mark question mark question mark question mark after it so we haven't done it
1: yeah, but how do you know which sudden death that is?
3: Because it says 1995 next to it.
4: Oh. Have we done? Have we done cliffhanger? I don't think oh, we've done cliffhanger. We can. we, we could do sudden death and cliffhanger.
3: Could somebody put it on the list?
4: It's it's Die Hard in a hockey rink and Die Hard on a mountain.
1: <laughs> we could do like we should do Die Hard month where we just do all the different Die Hard rebuffs. I'm down
4: fuck we could do like die hard in a year nothing but die hard rip-offs
1: <laughs> that's like our own other podcast we could start up.
3: die hard in a podcast you just I'll talk th- about all the die hard movies
4: I'll, t- I'll tell you something random guys that I'm, I'm really debating so I'm trying to do my best in social distance and not do any unnecessarily risky stuff because i I've, <laughs> known some people who have been badly affected by this disease Mm -hmm. but god damn it i really want to go to the movie theater this weekend (laughs) (laughs) i really do i want to go so bad
3: bill and ted and new mutants
4: probably new mutants bill and ted's available on streaming so that i don't really have a a good excuse yeah i'm
1: struggling with whether to start going to movies because i i know in my own brain once i go to one i'm opening the floodgates
4: Mm -hmm. oh I'll tell you the thing that chapped my ass. So I got on Fandango to look at new Mutants tickets because, um, you know, we've got an assigned seating theater now and stuff. And I was like, okay, well, I'll do that. And I pulled it up and it said, hey, all the seats marked with X's are not available due to social distancing and stuff. And I was like, oh, fucking great. I'm so excited about that. And I clicked through and there wasn't a single fucking X'd out seat. It was
1: maximum capacity. I was (laughs) like, you... Pieces of shit. <laughs> I mean, I should I should probably do that. I should go on the websites and check how the theaters here are social distancing people. Maybe I'd feel better about going.
4: Yeah, I was I was so mad because the example it gave was pretty good because there's only five rows in that theater, and so they only had like three rows, and then only every like two seats, two empty two seats two empty two seats you know so on and so forth throughout it and I was like, okay see I can do that and then nope full full capacity fucking bastards <laughs> All
3: right did anybody watch anything last week or uh, Doug in the last two weeks
4: I've watched I've watched some minor things. Uh, I did watch the first episode of High Score. I don't know if you guys have uh, started watching that series Uh, yet or not. I I
3: did. I think I watched the first two. Yeah.
4: Uh, It's pretty good. I I enjoyed it. The first episode's all about, like, the rise and fall of Atari (laughs) and kind of the video gaming technology and stuff and uh, the first person who won, like, a uh, video gaming competition which is i don't know all that was really interesting to me mm-hmm. some of it i didn't know i didn't know about the weird modding that was done to arcade terminals to make them
3: me neither last me and i love that they're just like they get sued and <laughs> they're just like well i mean the number one game company in the world suing us that, that means we're somebody right
4: Okay. I love the fact that they settled out of court and then they used that to like bluff other companies and they were like listen, Atari tried to take us down and they couldn't do it <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I, I, I'm enjoying it, that, that series is totally worth a watch.
3: Yeah, I'm excited yeah. to check out the rest of it.
4: What is it? It's just basically a It's just a docuseries of- about game. yeah, about video games
3: Yeah, okay. It's on Netflix.
1: I, it's been popping up on Netflix yeah. but I haven't
3: like the Second episode is about the rise of Nintendo. And they talk about the Nintendo World Championships, which is a lot of fun. Nice. Oh, and they talked to a uh, game counselor that used to work on the hotline. <laughs> so they talked to him about what it was like to be a game counselor.
4: What a fucking weird thing.
3: He even wore, because, you know, he showed his actual picture on his on his id and he had like this pretty tremendous mullet so (laughs) they even got him to wear a mullet wig and then shoot (laughs) shoot stuff basically recreating uh training videos for being a nintendo counselor like the nintendo counselor guy was fucking awesome i just want to hang out with him
4: i'm i'm so fucking excited for that now (laughs) that's that's where my sweet spot is too, because my my age bracket puts me right at the uh, tail end of Atari. So like, mm. I knew a couple people who had Ataris, but whenever I was little, I just remember everybody wanting a Nintendo. Yeah, and my parents got me a Sega Master System because we couldn't we didn't have no Nintendo money. <laughs> 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 I hope they fucking I hope they do an episode about Sega. That'll be pretty fun.
3: No, I'm sure they
4: will. Ooh uh then besides that uh i rewatched texas chainsaw Massacre 2 again not exactly <laughs> sure why
1: <laughs> just discussed it on the show like a, like a couple of months ago
4: i know <laughs> i was just flipping through stuff and i was like man <laughs> you fucked up my skull plate um yeah, so we probably don't need to talk about that again since we just talked about it on the show. <laughs> and I just have some kind of mental disease where I can rewatch it over and over. Uh and b- besides that, I'm just continuing my uh, Breaking Bad watch through. I just cleared out season 1. Nice. Which you know kind of ends on that crazy cliffhanger. And and then I think I think I dropped off like 3 episodes into season two so after that i'm in pure virgin territory oh really (laughs) yeah because i never i never sat down and watched it
1: you're gonna be in for a treat overall but there's gonna be some stuff that pisses you off i just know you (laughs) well enough and i know that show well enough (laughs) well and i know
4: the thing i'm real excited for because i don't think he comes in till season three or four but god damn it what's that actor's name the guy from the mandalorian plays the bad guy
3: Oh, uh, oh, I
1: know yeah. it's Gus because that's his
3: character name yeah. and I, Bad, call, I don't
1: know his real name.
3: <laughs> yeah, I call him Gus Spring every time I see him, but it's yeah. it's like so, something something Gina Carlo or something.
4: Yeah, 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 yeah. That that guy. I've been a big fan of everything I've seen him in so far, so I'm kind of excited to get uh, to him.
3: Just you wait.
4: He's really good in Breaking Bad. Yeah. I'm I'm assuming he plays a complete douchebag. uh Bad guy,
3: I I, I don't It'd even want to explain. To <laughs> it's the yeah. his introduction and his portrayal throughout most of it is super interesting.
4: I was going to say because he pretty much plays uh, one of those guys that maybe gets in something for the right reason and then immediately becomes a bad guy. <laughs> That's that seems to be his. Uh, he's thing. gonna
3: he's gonna show up and you're gonna be like what what. What the fuck is this? What? And then yeah. Just you wait.
4: Yeah. Yeah, but that's it for me, guys.
3: And then you get to look forward to watching uh Better Call Saul as well. So it's we'll, actually we'll see. It's I'm actually not, really good.
4: Which I, I bet it is. I just I'm usually not a uh spinoff guy.
3: Yeah. I think this would be worth it. We'll see.
4: We'll see. I got a lot of I got a lot of series to watch. Oh, I guess that's something else. I watched the first episode of a show on stars that's called p Valley, short for Pussy Valley, I guess. Oh, uh, which is a show that revolves around a uh, strip club that's in a very very bad neighborhood.
1: Okay, that sounds like an interesting idea for a show. <laughs> well. I'll, I'll tell you what,
4: it's actually so far, it's a little more deep than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was just kind of going to be a, uh, you know, here's some naked girls and here's a bunch of violence, you know, that, that type of show. But, yeah. but instead there's a lot of dynamics to it. One, one lady is, she got out of some kind of abusive relationship and she shot a guy and you're not sure if he's, if he's dead and she's running from the police or if, uh, he lived and she's hiding from him and she's clearly got a daughter that she left behind and now she's stripping to make money. And then the older stripper who's kind of on her way out has made a ton of money. And, but she's been given this money to her mom to hide and she's been laundering it through like the church's accounts. But I don't know the first, the first episode gives you the impression that maybe her mom has just taken all of her money. And so she's going to find out she's been <laughs> working for years and years and years and has nothing, but that, that kind of stuff. One of the girls is being abused and the bouncer at the place is basically offered to murder her boyfriend, which she said no to, but I think he might murder her anyway. And the owner of the strip club is a tran- transgender person who seems to both be kind of a dick and a, weird angel in the same kind you know what I mean like takes these girls money but also takes care of the girls kind of that pimp with a heart of gold kind of thing if that makes sense hmm.
1: pimp with a heart of gold that's the kind of catchphrase you can only expect to hear on our podcast they don't say <laughs> that on their
2: podcasts. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's the only way I can describe him I don't know but you made it sound like it's a trope that everybody knows you know the, the typical pimp of the heart that we all know and love from, from so many projects
4: <laughs> don't judge me
1: okay but that's it that's, that's all good. are you sure?
3: yep <laughs> all right, what did you watch Doug?
1: No, I watched a few things um Because I was easing my way back into movies Because last time we did this I had sworn off All forms of entertainment After no one made us watch musicals (laughs) Uh, So I had to go back and find some stuff That I know I enjoyed Um, And the first thing I did was uh, American Mary Which was the Soska Sisters movie from back in the day Do you guys remember that one?
4: Oh man, do you remember when they were awesome?
1: Yeah I don't want to talk about it if they suck now. I've chosen to just ignore all of that and just only go back and rewatch the movie that I like. And it holds up really well. It's just dark and twisted and weird and gory and all the fun ways and Catherine Isabel's in it and she's amazing. So have you guys seen it?
4: Actually, the first time I was ever on a podcast, I was on Trigger or Treat Radio, Brian and them, and we covered that movie. Oh, really? Yep. So, it's...
3: Sorry, which movie? I had to step away for a second.
4: American uh, Mary.
3: Oh, yeah. yeah. You were on Drunken Zombie. Oh, Noah. yeah,
4: Drunken Zombie. Sorry. How oh,
3: dare you. My, my brain <laughs> doesn't
4: work. You know this. <laughs>
3: Yeah, we knew Noah's friend, Evan. And we're like, hey, you want to sit in? And they're like, sure. And I've been friends with Noah ever since.
1: Yeah. No. That's unfortunate.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I am a delight, you son of a bitch.
1: <laughs> so anyways, yeah, I don't know. American Mary, it's awesome. Um, I don't, there's not much to say about it other than if you like good body horror movies. It's, it's a doozy. It has lots of just fun. You know, Catherine is about looking all hot and cute and cutting people mm-hmm. up. which is. Just...
4: I was, I was going to say, it's got a lot of interesting genre stuff going on where it's like, it's kind of a rape revenge film. And then it's yeah, kind of in the vein of a lot of like Japanese body horror stuff, you know, like the audition and, um,
1: Yep. yeah it's, it's really it's it, it, because the plot is so kind of weird and twisted and the like I mean the climax of the film is just something they tagged on so they could have the movie come to an end it's really all about wandering through this world of seeing all this like weird body modification done and watching this character go down this like weirdly dark path that she goes down relatively quickly but it's just like, you know, all these strange characters popping up, and it's it's fun as hell to watch, but it's not, like, a typical, like, story-type movie, and that's why it's able to mash all these weird genres together and do all this weird shit that you're like, damn, yeah, that one person doesn't quite look like a person, but I guess some of the people in this movie just don't. That's okay.
3: Yeah. I told... Um... Arguably, it's the last good movie the Sasuke sisters made, and definitely the last one before they turn out to be horrible people. Um, but I told them, like, I want a t-shirt that just says titties and shrimp, question mark.
1: <laughs> and I never got my
2: t-shirt.
1: Yeah. So anyways, um, after that, what did I watch? Oh, I decided to revisit the entire Final Destination series. <laughs>
3: yeah I saw that it was
1: like, yeah, really for watching a franchise. <laughs> well, I watched the first one and like I have for some reason, I have access to stars through Amazon Prime right now, and i I don't know how long I have it, so I don't know when it's gonna go away. I don't <laughs> know how I got it. Um, so I'm like, whatever,' I'm gonna see what's in here that I want might want to watch. And I saw final destination. There, I'm like, I haven't seen that in a long time. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Uh, it's basically just a slasher movie except the killer is death itself instead of, mm. you know, an actual killer walking around. And my memory of the of it was of the whole series was that it's just a bunch of kills. But the first one is actually like kind of a legit horror movie where there's like a story and characters, and Tony Todd plays the creepy guy that shows up to give the exposition about what's going on. Mm-hmm. I thought it, I thought it was. Much better than I expected it to be. Like, I expected it to have, like, the fun kills, and it does have that. But it was actually a much better horror movie than what I anticipated. Mm-hmm. And it actually, like, the weird atmosphere really works well. And the kind of the opening sequence, which is objectively cheesy the idea that he has a dream about what's going to go wrong and then he gets off the plane just does it in order to avoid it. But it's really well done, and like when they're in the airport and they're all still arguing about why they had to get off the plane, and the plane explodes in the background. I don't know if you guys remember the scene, but it's like Mm -hmm. the windows behind them all blow up, and the glass comes shattering down, and all the actors and everything. It's like it's really well done, in my opinion. So, if you haven't seen it in a long time, I would definitely, uh, I would definitely recommend it. Like it's it holds up really well, except for the you know early 2000s fashion that i still can't justify <laughs> i don't know why everybody owned like tons of those the, everybody would have the same jacket in like five colors in all the early 2000s movies and it drives me nuts <laughs> i don't know what the jacket is called i know exactly what it looks like and everybody every character will have one and then later they'll be wearing it one that's the same but a different color and i'm like why would you fucking have two with the same jacket Most people don't own multiple, like, people own multiple jackets, but not multiple of the same jacket in different colors. That really bugs me. And why were pants so fucking baggy back then? (laughs) Pour
3: your pants up.
1: It's not even that. It's just like the legs were, like, really wide.
3: Oh, that's coming back (laughs) in.
4: It's got to be wider. You need them jinkos, son. Uh, Twelve pairs of pants and one leg of the pants. Yeah.
3: Amanda was telling me that, uh, for women, the super high-waisted, uh, straight-leg, like, wide-leg jeans are coming back in style. Really? Showed me a picture. I'm like, those are basically jinkos. And she's like, kinda, yeah.
1: I don't know what a jinko is, but I don't like any of this
3: talk. It's the skater, oh. skater jeans that all the okay. kids used to wear with the huge, like, legs in them.
1: Yeah. I don't yeah. know, man. I, uh... If they bring those back, they better keep the social distancing stuff going longer I'm <laughs> stay home. I'm no fashion icon, I'll, I'll acknowledge that, but just... Stuff like that, I just can't get my head around. It's like, what do you do? Did you just have way too much fucking material while you were making those pants?
2: <laughs>
3: yeah, I never had Jinkos, but I had some... Some kind of uh, baggy, wide-leg jeans... Not Jinko size Yeah But man Those fucking Legs would get like Dirty as shit And like ripped up Kinda of glad that shit's over too
1: Yeah I just uh, Anyways That's not really the point of the movie Anyway And overall I'm I still coming <laughs> here Stop sending me pictures of JNCOs
2: <laughs>
3: they all don't get, get killed because they're wearing Jinko jeans like everybody's like come on dude stop it I'm gonna kill you for wearing Jinko's.
4: I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep doing this and they're just gonna keep getting bigger and bigger and
1: bigger <laughs> anyways then then I watched Final Destination 2 which yeah. I was
3: the reason why you don't ride behind uh, wood trucks anymore yeah the thing about that
1: movie is it's not just that It's everybody remembers that scene there are so many good deaths in Final Destination Two. It is by far like it's the classic slasher sequel. It's like you know what we need a lot more, a lot more deaths, a lot more elaborate deaths. What about a plot line? Uh, tie it in vaguely. We'll bring back the final girl from the last movie. She'll get killed off and pass the final girl torch onto the new girl. Just like they like that's a typical uh, Nightmare Elmstrom move. So we'll just do that in this one. And it is that, and it's just like I said, it's we're going to tell the same story, but we're going to make it bigger and the kills will be better. And they nailed
3: it. Um, And what was their excuse that, that (laughs) since they escaped death on the plane or something, it
1: affected. Yeah. Basically like all of these people in final destination two are alive because the other people didn't die in one weird way or another. Like they got stuck in traffic because of the, Airplane crash or whatever, and therefore yeah. they didn't die, and so then they were all supposed to die in this big traffic accident that would set everything straight. But they get saved again through the same methodology as the previous film.
2: Yeah, and that's
3: what go- i remember That's the big thing I remember is they tr- really tried really hard to like factor it into the first movie it, somehow. It
1: works. It it doesn't matter again. Like you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's like asking questions about the friday 13th sequels it's like well they're at the camp again and then he's gonna come kill them again that's what's going on just <laughs> shut the fuck up like that's again slasher sequels that's what they are and if you're into it you're into it and that's how i look at this series and i'm just like yeah i'm down with it because the kills are great um you get the uh my personal favorite is the pane of glass falls from like way up high in the sky and just <laughs> that one kid
3: just right flat <laughs> as a pancake
1: i love it it's just so there's that one there's the the one guy gets chopped up by flying barbed wire and you just see him like fall <laughs> apart there's yeah. the one girl that almost dies in a car crash and then when they're using the joss of life they accidentally kill her do you guys remember that one it's, yeah. it's an awesome death where they're like she's got like there's like this pole that came all the way through the car but didn't quite stab her and then when they're using the jaws of death to get her out of the car they set off the airbag and it drives her head back through it and then you have to pause the movie and laugh for several minutes before you can watch the
2: rest
3: (laughs) so the funny thing is I went on a first date to see this movie at the theater
1: oh yeah that's how you get to know somebody
3: but she was the one who picked it
1: (laughs) that's awesome So,
3: so you know it was good. We ended up not dating, but we stayed like friends for a couple years. Oh I'm th- her. Well, that wasn't my choice.
1: <laughs> okay. So shit. Like, yeah, good taste in movies but better taste in men. I see where you're going with
3: that. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. But yeah, the fucking uh grill blowing up and like chopping That's that dude right up end. with the barbed wire was fucking awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it's just I mean, there's some nonsense thrown in about like adding to somebody uh, there's a whole plot about trying to create new life to break the cycle of death that I, I don't even get into because it doesn't matter, because I don't care I just want to watch all the people get killed in fun ways and I love that because it's a sequel that we all know we're there to watch people get killed in fun ways, they keep teasing ways where people could die, but then they don't die that way they die in a completely different way
3: <laughs> It's like <"What>, <laughs> it's
1: so fun like the kid that gets smushed like he's in a dentist's office and there's all this weird shit with like like birds are flying in the window and startling the dentist while well. he's got like tools like sharp tools near his head and stuff and you're like oh is that how he's gonna get it and then like weirdly like a fake fish like falls into his mouth while he's strapped down and can't do anything to get it out so he almost chokes to death and you're like that's how they're going to kill him and you are like nope he's going to go outside and he's going to get smushed by a falling pane of glass like an rational <laughs> movie I love Final Destination 2 it's probably the highlight of the series in my mind although I can't say that definitively for reasons we'll get to
3: okay but, uh, so I'm a big fan of part 5 so
1: Okay. well so we'll get to part 3 here next Which is not as good as the first two. It's not terrible, but there's just something lacking from it. And I think what happened, from what I can tell, is it's like, I think it's the director from the first movie comes back, but he's trying to make the second movie, because the second movie, I think, is more beloved than the first. So he's like, I could do that, too. But you can't. You could make the first movie. That's the style of movie you can make. You should have made that movie again. And not trying to copy part two, because what you get is these like some of the long elaborate kills, but they're just they're not as well done. So then it's kind of like you find yourself going oh, come on, just get to the kill already.
3: Now, you said you watched this on streaming, correct? Yes. Have you ever watched it on DVD? I'm
1: sure that I have.
3: The DVD that I have, which I bought when it came out. Has sort of like a choose your own adventure Setting on it. Oh. So when someone's about to die, you get a chance to flip a coin, and depending, you know, 50-50, they may live through the scene that they originally died died through in the theater. Oh. That means they will die a different way later on.
1: See, that sounds really fun to me. Yeah. That that would be enough. That would be enough to save this movie because the movie's not like I say, it's not terrible. It's just. Yeah. lacking a little bit of the fun and the, the joy of the previous films and it starts really with the big the opening scene which is a it's a roller coaster that crashes and first of all you're going like we did giant pile up on the highway we did plane blowing up now we're doing roller coaster like that just doesn't feel big enough do you know what i mean yeah and then secondly, the problem is it's right in that era where they thought they could make things look good with CGI, where they really couldn't. And uh, it's yeah, it just doesn't—it doesn't quite work, and therefore it doesn't get you into the movie on that level. It's too bad too, because it's got like a, a good cast of like like Mary Elizabeth Weinstead is like in it, and uh, the one guy from Ginger Snaps is in it, and you're just like, okay, like there's you've got potential here. But they're just—I think it's—it's it's a case of somebody who's not necessarily capable of making that like fun horror movie, trying to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you should, you know, they should—they should have kept the director for part two going if they wanted to keep the series going in that
3: direction. Uh, and uh, I think you know how you were talking about how they're teasing different ways that the characters could die or whatever. Yeah, I'm almost wondering, like, because I haven't watched it since the DVD f- was first released. I think all of those might be a part of it, like. When the dentist die, thing yeah, pops up. Coins. Yeah, you gotta flip the coin, and if they end up dying, they see them die that way or whatever. Let's see, that
1: that sounds super fun to me. Now,
2: mm. I want that
1: DVD. And I would rewatch Part 3 if I could do that. With, but I also wonder if those deaths are gonna look terrible, because the reason they could have multiple deaths for the same character is that they just CGI'd be my concern. Yeah, I don't know. So, I don't know. Anyways, like I say, I'd still watch 3 if you're a fan of the series. I, it's not... Just because it's the worst of the first three doesn't make it bad, I guess is the way I would describe it. But I certainly when you watch them in order, you can definitely feel the quality shift from two down to three.
3: Oh yeah, here we go. Final Destination 3 2-disc Thrill Ride Edition. You can buy a used copy on Amazon for
1: $6.38. With free shipping on orders over $35 or right now.
3: Yeah. Prime,
1: yeah. I will look into that because if I can get that, we might be having another discussion with this movie. (laughs) Sounds really fun to me. Uh, And that's where my whole plan for Final Destinations fell apart. By the way, because you know what the big difference between three and four is?
3: What? You got to pay to see four and five. You know, you can't just watch them on free streaming services.
1: Oh so so that's it until they fix that problem i'm done with the final destination run (laughs) (laughs) because it's like it's literally like i want it's so weird because like it's like one and two are available through uh stars from via prime and then three was like on hoopla and then four is like nowhere i couldn't even find a copy and then five was like yeah you gotta pay for it and i'm like well That's dumb. I wanted to watch them
2: all.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever seen Part 5 before?
1: I believe I saw it in theaters. Mm. And that's it. I remember, like... I remember the big twist at the end and stuff.
3: Okay. I was going to say, the big twist... big twist kind of caught me off guard. And I uh, I think I enjoyed them more when I found that out.
1: Yeah. So, I'm going to have to... I'll get to them eventually. I'll find copies around. Maybe they'll be on sale for six dollars on Amazon. I feel better about paying my, for money for a movie if I want a physical copy. Mm-hmm. I don't like paying to stream things. So. Yeah, understandable. Anyways, That's just a little. That's a really nitpicky me thing where I'm just like, especially if a movie's like a few years old and it's not that famous of a movie. I'm like, who's actually paying them to watch Final Destination Five right now? I don't get it. There are enough people know. doing that to justify that rather than sign a deal to have it available.
3: They must think so.
1: I guess.
3: Until Scream Factory does their Final Destination box set. It'll be a
1: fun box set, don't. Did you it watch anything good. else? The last thing I watched, rewatched for me, and you guys know I'm going to say all sorts of positive stuff about it, is I watched Tusk again. Oh, yeah. Which just the Kevin Smith guy gets turned into a walrus movie that is made for a very particular audience and as I've said before I'm in that audience so <laughs> I get I, I get why people don't want to see um, a guy get turned into a walrus I get why people don't want to see fucking uh,
3: which that seems like a dumb Long. sentence you just said why would somebody not want to watch Justin Long get turned into a walrus it's,
1: it's, uh, oh, fuck, why is his name eluding me Who's the other actor in that movie? Michael Parks. Michael Parks. That's who I'm trying to think of. It's like I fucking love him in this movie, and I get why other people might not necessarily (laughs) enjoy watching him give monologues about the time he lived on an island with a walrus. (laughs) But I love it so much. He he's so perfect in the role and it's just and then to have like an actor like that with such gravitas and then to put him in a walrus costume and have him fight another guy in a walrus costume it's just it makes my day the movie makes me very very happy yeah. like like my least favorite thing about it is Johnny Depp running around doing a bad French Canadian accent making jokes <laughs> and I'm like how can that be my least favorite thing about any movie it, it's yeah. it's hard to be upset about that so <laughs> Tusk makes me happy.
3: Yeah, I need to rewatch it. I watched it when it it's... first came out. I enjoyed it. I was I was on the bandwagon. I was listening to Smodcast as it like came to fruition. So,
1: I, I I've told you this before, I'm sure, but I went to the world premiere of Tusk at the Toronto International Film Festival. Yeah, I'm just So is like. And it was just, it was one of those moments because, like, when Johnny Depp pops up on screen, it's like, well, nobody... Like, there was no way to have that spoiled for you. This was the world premiere. So it's just like, is that fucking Johnny Depp in a fake mustache right now in the middle of this fucking walrus movie? <laughs> and then he's running around, and you're like, God damn it, it is. And then, like, of course, half the questions in the Q&A afterwards were all about that. And it's like... <laughs> because it gets into this whole weird weird world where you're like, like Kevin Smith has made a career which I I think it's a wonderful thing he's made a career of just making movies with his buddies, which is Mm -hmm. it's outstanding that he's gotten to do that, whether you like even if you don't personally like the movies, you have to respect that here's a guy that just gets to make movies with his friends for a living, gets to be like really rich just for being himself basically, and it's like even if you don't like that, that's fucking cool and then you're like turns out one of his buddies is Johnny Depp and, like that's even weirder now <laughs> like that's
3: <laughs> well the easiest way to get Johnny Depp in your movie is to put his daughter in your movie so then it becomes Mom, like well, you don't what you don't a, want to don't want to do a movie with your daughter what kind of father are you
1: Johnny Depp has a much bigger role in the movie than his daughter does
3: yeah
1: it's like you know
3: <sighs> so it's yeah, just super, a way of shaming people
1: yeah, but uh, I don't know. It, it makes me like Johnny Depp more, too, because sometimes, like, some of the stories that come out about him, you're like, I don't think I'd like that guy. And then you hear Kevin yeah. Smith talk about how he's just like, yeah, the guy said he'd be in my movie, and then he asked the makeup lady to draw a little dick on his nose so that he'd be wearing that for <laughs> the film. And you're like, that makes me like him again.
3: <laughs> yeah, was... <laughs> did he... Because I've heard Kevin Smith talk about it, where he's... Uh, Something about, like, he's trying to have, like, a conversation with Johnny Depp about something about the movie. And, I mean, it's like a serious enough conversation. It's like a work-related one. And that he realizes Johnny Depp's not paying attention because he's looking at himself in the mirror. And he just turns to him and says, does my nose look like a dick? Uh, I I guess. Can I have it just where my, my character's nose looks like a dick the whole movie? sure
1: yeah. I love that story it's just but I just love the idea that there's like these there's a subset of people in Hollywood who are still like wait a minute we make pretend for a living and why aren't we enjoying ourselves a lot more doing this like why does Hollywood take itself so seriously when it's just a bunch of people telling made up stories to each other yeah it's like, and I don't know I find that very enjoyable
3: I find it enjoyable. I do get sad, though, because I was, like, super excited that he stopped giving a fuck and is like, I'm going to make a movie about a guy that gets turned into a walrus. Mm -hmm. And I actually have a trilogy set up, the Great White North trilogy, as he calls it. And he's just making these weird-ass horror movies and stuff. But I feel like sometimes he gets scared, and that's when he has to run back and do, like, another Jay and Bob movie. That kind of bums me out.
1: But I don't care, because I liked the new G&Bob movie, too, so...
3: Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it, but I'm just kind of like, yeah, but I really want to see Moose Jaws. When's Moose Jaws coming out?
1: Yeah, well, and that part of the problem with Kevin Smith is he announces every idea he has, right? Yeah. So he's like, we got, we got a Clerks 3, we got a Mallrats 2, now Mallrats 2's going to be a TV series hang on, and then, you know, all this stuff, and then you're like, at the end, you're like, well, why do you wait until you have to have that a little bit better planned before you do it, right? Yeah, Because, you know, like Clerks 3, like the original Clerks 3 obviously didn't um, didn't get made because they just couldn't get Jeff Anderson on board. And yeah. it's like, well, okay, well, why don't you talk to him before you announce it publicly? But that's just not how he does things, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, I remember yeah. when All Rats 2 was supposed to be a big thing, and they were actually getting, like, all the, the actors and stuff on board, but they couldn't get anybody to finance it. Yeah. As like, well... Which I that part of that blows my mind too. Like with all the shit that goes on in Hollywood, I do not understand why there wouldn't just be studios lined up to give a guy like Kevin Smith a budget. Cause it's not like he asks for a hundred million dollars for his movies.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I still remember when red state was getting made and he was like trying to get it funded for like $5 million or something. And I'm like, if I had $5 million, I would totally fund that movie in a heartbeat. Cause it's going to make $5 million back. You're not going to lose yeah. money on a Kevin Smith movie. Because he'll promote the shit out of it, and he comes with a built-in audience. Yeah, yeah, you're not gonna make, you're not gonna get a hundred million dollar box office, but you're also not gonna lose money. Which is, like, how many movies do they make that are basically guaranteed not to lose money? Yeah,
3: even those movies, he's talked, he talks about like, I think it was Tuscan yoga hoser's maybe, that he did that, he did the, the Canon Weinstein whatever thing where. He went to Cannes and or Cannes. He went to Cannes and was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna make this movie, and I have a big enough name, so you foreign distributors, do you do you want in?" And they were like, "Sure." Yeah. And then the movie had already been profitable before they even shot it.
1: Yeah, it's like that's that's the thing with I don't understand why Hollywood wouldn't be all aboard that. Like, why wouldn't you just? Like, mm-hmm. Give just have a deal with a guy like Kevin Smith. You, know, you want to make a five million dollar movie? Yeah, just knock on the door, and we'll slide a check under the door for five million dollars and bring us back a movie, and everybody will be happy. Yeah. You know, I, again, I get it. When he, if he was asking for fifty million dollars, why you'd be hesitant? But I'd, I, you'll sell five million dollars worth of Blu-rays of any Kevin Smith movie that you
3: Yeah, the logic, logic is weird.
1: Anyways, that was an uh, an awfully long tangent (laughs) (laughs) We never do that No, that's not really our style So we should probably get back on track Did you watch anything this week?
3: Uh, I did I watched watched a movie I had heard kind of a buzz about Called We Summon the Darkness It's on Netflix Um, So some girls go to like a a Heavy metal rock show In the 80s This movie was made last year Um, So it's a throwback movie. So they go to some heavy metal show. um, See some pretend band. And then become friends with these three guys in the parking lot. And they end up uh, going to party with them. Um, And then it gets flipped. Turns out the three girls are sacrificing dudes to Satan. And hijinks ensue. Um, It's alright. It has a weird tone to it. (laughs) It seems like it... Starts off being kind of serious, but then wants to be like a black comedy, but I don't feel like it commits enough to that. So it's kind of all over the place. The weird thing is... um, The whole sacrificing people to Satan stuff, there's another twist within that. Then it turns out one of the girls... Her dad is a preacher that we see throughout the movie on the TV and here on the radio, preaching about how uh, heavy metal is the devil and all this crazy stuff. And her dad is played by Johnny Knoxville, Yeah, I mean he's not terrible I and mean, he's he actually does a decent job, but I don't like it because that makes me feel fucked up that this girl's like twenty and Johnny Knoxville is her dad
1: yeah I don't like that I'm not watching that movie
3: and I mean the math makes sense but I don't like the math so the math math makes sense but the math makes me sad so yeah so and she's played by uh, uh, what the fuck is that chick's name she's famous for being in True Blood and getting naked on top of Woody Harrelson at one point she was also in the Baywatch movie So she's, uh, she's the main girl, I guess. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was alright. It just doesn't, I don't know. There was something missing. It doesn't commit one way or the other to whatever tone they want to get into. But, uh, I thought about renting it a couple months ago. I'm kind of glad I didn't since I at least got to watch it for free on Netflix. So... Um, after that I picked another movie off Netflix called One Bedroom and it's one BR. oh yeah uh, I saw a lot of people posting about it and I'm like yeah let's check it out um, so this girl is in LA she moves into a new apartment we very much get the uh, the inference that she left her home in the Midwest after some conflict with her dad um, she's trying to you know start over, start a new life. She wants to be a costume designer. Um, but she moves to this apartment. Everybody's super nice. But then there's some weird shit that goes down that she can't explain. And then shit goes really crazy. And, yeah. If I explain it too much, it pretty much spoils the entire... Um, It was decent. It's got a good atmosphere and a lot of oh my god, what the fuck is going on sort of stuff to it. Um, it's definitely super low budget, so don't set your expectations too high, but some really weird stuff that, I don't know, you might enjoy. Like it's hard to, to basically explain the nitpicks that I have with it, but you could do worse.
1: Okay, I've not provided as much to go on
3: there. You understand that, right? Yeah, I know. Um. Yeah, I, don't know. I would have to spoil it. So, watch the trailer. If it looks decent to you, then I would say check it out.
1: Because yeah. I've been debating whether to watch it, or not. but I haven't actually gone as far as the trailer. I've just literally been looking at the picture on Netflix.
3: Yeah, you might enjoy it. Um, I would say, I would say for you, watch it. At the very That's least, okay. you'll hate it, and we can. We can talk about it on the next. See, that's
1: episode. the problem. This, this might all be a trick designed to make me dislike my life even more?
3: No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. But I just think there's some. There's an interesting movie here, but it is missing a few. Few things to make it a great movie, but. Uh, but one thing I did enjoy is I watched the DC animated movie, Batman Gotham by Gotham by Gaslight. Okay, and it's an animated version of the classic uh, Batman versus Jack the Ripper Elseworld, Elseworld story they did in DC. Um, I read the comic, but it was like forever ago, so I don't remember much of the the differences. The big difference is uh, Catwoman's in this, and apparently she was not in the original one. Um, they use her as like a, uh, I don't want to say damsel in distress because I mean. Jack the Ripper goes after her, and then she kind of turns around and starts, you know, pulls out the whip and starts fighting him off pretty well. And then Batman shows up. But I thought it was it was interesting. It was a lot of fun. Um, pretty good take. The uh, The reveal of who Jack the Ripper is is different, too. Um, it doesn't bother me nearly as much as, like, when they did the Hush movie. They changed the the identity of Hush, and that really bothered me. But in this, it didn't bother me nearly as much. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. The final fight takes place at the Gotham World Fair that they're setting up for, you know, late 1800s. And uh, they end up fighting on a wooden... Well, it would be a wooden Ferris wheel, but in this history... Lucius Fox actually invented the Ferris wheel, so it's called a fox wheel. So they're fighting on top of a giant wooden fox wheel that is on fire. And it's pretty awesome. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly
1: fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future.
3: Noah, you get to pick movies for next week. So what are we watching?
4: Uh, It's going to be Jeff Fahey week. We're going to watch Body Parts and Lawnmower Man.
3: Good old Lawnmower, man.
4: It's a Stephen, Steam, Stephen King adaptation. What could possibly go wrong?
3: Well, is it,
1: though? Is it, though? It's a Stephen he had King to... adaptation, the way Masters of the Universe is a He-Man adaptation. Yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, there was lawsuits involved, which we'll get into next week. Didn't he, like... Yeah, well, you'll, I'm sure you'll do the research and explain it next week but I'm pretty sure he soon have his name taken off of it that is, is correct I don't <laughs> even need to research I know all that
1: I, I, I don't even fucking want to be associated with this
3: yeah is, but I'll, I'll tell you I'll tell you about the story it's based on if, if nobody here has read it it's oh, I it. It, it'll be interesting
1: uh, in retrospect I'm not sure if that would make a good movie no
3: but sure why not <laughs> Yeah. Um, so what other Jeff Fahey movies could we do? It's mean, Jeff Fahey week, but I feel like somebody should watch a couple Jeff Fahey movies for their the other part of the show too. It's
1: like a good question actually because Body Parts was one I wanted on the list for a while and it's just got added to lawn Man just because I got sick of trying to find something else to come
3: up with. It. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's always Psycho Three. Yeah,
1: we could rewatch Psycho Three. It's probably the worst of the Psycho movies three or four would be the worst it's hard to say yeah, four for it's me still not terrible I haven't seen them in a while but I don't think either one of them is terrible
3: uh, he was he was the villain in Machete that's on the list he has
1: 167 roles we could probably do whatever we wanted if we think
3: about <laughs> he was on Lost we could just talk about Lost yeah. no, how much Machete. of that made sense fuck Lost <laughs> Still salty over the ending.
1: Still better. Still better.
3: Is that a show you watch, Noah? You gonna rewatch Lost?
4: That last season sucked.
3: <laughs> is the that what puts you off was... the TV? I
4: don't, I don't know. I think the whole thing is the first two seasons of Lost is amazing, and it just trails off
1: from there. Yeah. Yeah. The it's, thing it's a... with that show that is that it was it has so much potential and they kept saying don't worry all this stuff is going to pay off and then they didn't even try like they weren't even interested in pretending to try to pay it off and I'll go then why the fuck did you make this whole show the whole show was about setting things up to be paid off later if you don't pay off any of them fuck you oh I was so mad I've, I've, I've told you guys like the lost story too right like where I got I right know. into that show I got um. right into that show and so I watched it I watched Seasons 1 through, is it 6? Yes. While 6 was on TV, I was watching all of the, to lead up to it. So I timed it all so that I caught up just in time where I watched the series finale live. It was the only episode of the show I ever watched live. Mm -hmm. And I, like, timed it all perfect. And I had people over, and it was like an event. And then I was just fucking angry as it was happening. I'm like, fucking (laughs) kidding. You're fucking, I was just so mad. (laughs) People are like, you invited us over. Could you not yell at your TV during the show, please? And I'm like, no, I have to yell at my TV during the show. I'm
3: sorry. This this is bullshit. Bullshit. (laughs) show's over. Doug's like throwing shit. People are like, what's the matter? And he's like, get out. Everybody get the fuck out. (laughs) So frustrating! I can't believe how many shows there are that are like good and then just shit the bed because they
1: don't bother to do a good ending.
3: Did you watch Heroes when it was on?
1: I gave up on Heroes like partway through season two, and then I tried to watch it again later, and I gave up on it partway through season two again.
3: So yeah, I know.
1: I assume that means I'm never going to watch it again.
3: That first season was amazing. Like the whole save the cheerleader, save the world. I'm just like, man, think back to when that was like something. And you're just like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And then even, like, the end of the season was pretty good, and then season two starts, and you're like, this is garbage. So, I don't know. Frustrating. No. No, I...
4: I I think the whole thing is you keep waiting for the... uh, God damn it, I can't remember his name. What was Hero's sidekick's name? Ando?
3: Ando, yeah.
4: Yeah, you keep... I waited so long for them to, like, finally pay off all that stuff and they just never fucking not not satisfactorily you know what I mean
3: yeah I don't know I stopped I stopped watching about <laughs> towards the end of season two so <sighs> no loss though I missed the first season of loss and then my friends were like oh my god you gotta watch loss you gotta watch it it's amazing so then they bought the DVD set and they gave it to me so I could watch it And so, you know, I caught all up and then I ended up missing the very first episode of season two, but then was on board, you know, from there forward. And yeah, there's some, uh, some rough waters.
1: I, I legitimately think that show, like there's the moment where they're about to get rescued and like the big twist is the guy has it written on his hand and it says not Penny's boat. Yeah. And that's how you know they're not gonna be rescued and that's your biggest end still, of season
3: three. Still uh still one of the saddest moments in television history, yes. But
1: I but I genuinely think that, that that was the scheduled end of the show and everything after it was bullshit. And I, I it should have just been it should have just fucking been Penny's boat, and then we could have all moved on with our
3: lives. <laughs> well, that was ABC's fault. They wanted the show to run for like ten years. Yeah,
1: I know, but Yeah not interested in placing blame on the individuals I'm saying overall it was bullshit
3: (laughs) (laughs) I don't disagree I'm just saying
1: it's like uh, I remember like in my head I was already looking up like going into the, the end of Lost I was already looking up like the when will, like, the big box set come out of everything so I can rewatch this whole thing once I know the ending and pick up on all the little clues and shit? Yeah. And then, like, watch that final episode and just went... <laughs> no. i never fucking... And I've never watched an episode of it over since, and I'm never going to.
3: <sighs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, uh... <laughs> I think I still have a couple of the box, the season box sets, but yeah, never, never, never decided to collect all of them since uh, it was disappointed. I'm
4: trying to think: has there ever been a show that ended like satisfactorily?
3: Well, you're watching Breaking Bad. I will say I thought the end of Breaking Bad was pretty satisfactory.
4: I agree. Well, then I'm excited for that because I yeah. I feel like in my life i can't think of a single tv series that it completed that actually had a you know what i mean a final okay. episode that wasn't like ah, fuck you know what i mean
3: yeah now i feel like um, with the
4: exception with the exception of british tv shows
3: sure no i feel like the end of breaking bad like when it ended i looked at it and i went yep that is the only way the show can end. And so I was completely happy with it and satisfied. I don't think there's a single element of that show that I didn't enjoy. There were some episodes that kind of drag here or there, but I feel like as a as a complete series, I feel like it it's pretty solid.
1: Breaking Bad is particular, particularly unique, too, because they have that perfect ending, but then they still made the follow-up movie and it's good as well it doesn't yeah. feel tacked on or anything like they did a really good job of tying them together and it's mm-hmm. kind of fascinating I can't think of another good example of that
3: yeah I even forgot
1: about I that should, so yeah. I should rewatch Breaking Bad rather than watch this other stuff I waste my
3: time <laughs> yeah
4: don't I'm, I'm excited to get through it I don't know what I'll watch after that
3: I'm telling you Saul it's, all, it's on Netflix right now We'll see
1: I should watch that too I watched the first season of that And I just never got back into it Not because I didn't like it Just because I never
3: Didn't yeah. work out Yeah it's It's good I don't know if it lives up to Being Breaking Bad good But I feel like it As it's own separate thing That it's really good
4: Yeah So Worth a watch Because it's more It's more of a comedy right And that the whole thing
3: not necessarily. <clears throat> I mean, it's some of it's still got the same type of tone that Breaking Bad did. Um, obviously, uh, Saul himself is a little bit more comedic, just as a character. But I feel like the surrounding world is still just about on par with Breaking Bad. Yeah.
4: I was gonna. I, I enjoy the uh, the whole tone of Breaking Bad, where it's basically like everyone's got a piece of shit inside of them. <laughs> if that makes sense, like, oh yeah, that's that's pretty much the name of the story. And it's like the brother's a DEA agent. Yeah, guess what? He's a piece of shit. Like, <laughs>
3: <laughs> just wait till you realize that Marie, his wife, decorates in nothing but purple. Oh, eventually you're going to start noticing wow she only wears purple all the all the colors in their house are purple why does marie love purple so much uh what the fuck was i gonna say oh uh do we want to talk about the batman trailer real quick
1: oh yeah we got a bunch of trailers what's your first thoughts you obviously want to talk about the batman trailer right
3: um had no expectations. I'm like, well, this is probably going to be garbage. Uh, then I realized, watching the trailer, they're essentially trying to do a toned-down version of Seven with Batman in it and the Riddler, and I'm on board. I've always said, like, when when you know Nolan was making them, I'm like, if you take the Riddler and use him as, like, a Zodiac Killer type of character, I feel like that could really work. And it looks like that's kind of what they're doing in this
4: So Yeah, I'm a little confused by the fact that they, They've they said a thousand times That basically they're drawing stuff From Long Halloween And it's pretty obvious that they're Drawing stuff from Batman Year 2 Yeah Well, well way more the, than the, the other The director
1: did referenced Year 2 Multiple times in his discussion Of the trailer, so
4: No, see, I haven't watched any of that Yeah
3: so I'm enjoying it. I like the tone of the trailer. Did not recognize Colin Farrell as the penguin at all.
1: Didn't notice it until somebody pointed it out in a
4: like a YouTube yeah. video after. Yep. I'm still I'm still nervous about that. Colin Colin Farrell's hit or miss.
3: Yeah, but I like Matt Reeves as a director, so I'm gonna trust that he can get a good performance out of him.
4: And that's where I'm at. We'll see. I think it looks alright. Yeah. Uh, I I liked the teaser for Black Adam.
3: (laughs) Yeah, the animated teaser?
4: Yeah, well, just because they straight up did the comic book origin, Mm -hmm. and I was kind of expecting them to change a bunch of shit, but we'll see. And then Suicide Squad, holy fuck.
3: (laughs) Yeah, we don't really get a trailer. We get like a roll call, and then a sort of behind-the-scenes thing.
4: That fucked me up. I'm going to be 100% honest, like, fuck me all up. I was like, what the fuck just happened? I was like, how, what, (laughs) (laughs) where, (laughs) how much money did they spend on that fucking movie?
3: Uh, Looks like a lot. James Gunn has (laughs) said that it's the biggest, most expensive movie he's ever made. So,
4: (sighs) I just, bless the roll call, the characters that they threw in, I was like, yeah. Oh, holy shit, those are the deepest cuts
3: You never thought you were going to see Polka Dot Man In live
1: action, did you?
4: I'm just fucking Maker, <laughs> man
1: I've legit watched multiple videos Where they go through and explain who the characters are And I still don't know who the characters
4: are <laughs> D- No, that's because those, those characters aren't like B-list characters Those are D-list Nothing characters Like Polka Dot Man's kind of a running joke Uh, I mean Peacemaker's made a lot of appearances over the year just because he's basically uh, Captain America if Captain America was a fascist if if that makes sense like he believes in utopian society but he believes that you can only achieve utopian society through the the iron rule
1: of the fist basically. (laughs) basically so he represents modern day American values instead of traditional ones correct
4: man yeah yeah Yeah. it it fucked me all up and and with the way they did the roll call and the clips they've shown and stuff i have no idea who the fuck the villain of this movie is
3: no i have no idea
4: i mean i honestly i'm leaning toward thinking it might be fucking pete davidson as fucking black
3: (laughs) no i've seen set pictures where he's with the squad so i'm assuming he's (laughs) he's god i
4: hope I. I'm going to be 100% honest. I fucking hate him, and I hope they kill him so fucking bad yeah, I in don't, this movie. I don't mind him. And, and I think they're going to. I think that's the insinuation that a lot of these characters are going to be dead in the first half of the movie. <laughs>
3: yeah, well, I know he had to skip the first couple episodes of SNL last season because he was still filming. So
4: Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of who else. Who else is in this? Because fucking, it was just... Like getting run over by a fucking truck
3: <laughs> John Cena
4: Well he's he's Peacemaker
3: Yeah,
4: Idris then, Elba So that, that fucked me up Because I could have sworn I heard a thousand Times that Idris Elba Was going to be dead shot And replacing Will Smith And instead he's Bloodshot
3: That's what they kind of said originally When he was first cast And Will Smith had dropped out um, that's what the internet said. And then, uh, then it was confirmed that, was just, that you know, he's playing a different character.
1: Is all that was. I eh? are like, well, they heard of one black actor and brought in a new black actor, but didn't, <laughs> no one will notice. And it's like, no, it's, I don't think the studio ever said anything that implied that. It's just no, yeah.
4: an assumption the internet made. It's well, I mean, the they're internet. kind of, they're kind of similar characters. So, I mean, they're not, it's not too far off.
3: Yeah. Um, Harley Quinn is, is back. Of course.
4: Harley Quinn. You've got a savant.
3: Oh, yeah. The thinker with uh, Peter Cabaldi.
4: I'm so fucking excited about that. (laughs) Maybe he's the bad guy. Maybe because I don't I don't know how you get that character to play nice with any other. He's I don't know if you've ever read those comic books, but that character is a piece of shit. Like good villain, but bad. He's he's as evil as it gets.
3: Well, apparently Taika Watidi's in it, but his character is left blank on IMDb, so they apparently have not announced who he's playing. Right. Uh, Nathan T-D-K. Fillion, <laughs> TDK.
4: Right. I'm assuming he's going to die real quick. That's probably just a uh, James Gunn fan service.
3: Uh, Sean Gunn is playing Weasel. Weasel, <laughs> <Essentially.
4: laughs> of course. He- of course
3: he is <laughs> It's a way to get Rocket Raccoon into the movie
4: I'm Fucking Weasel looks great too uh, I thought yeah. the, thing, the thing that fucked me up Is we've got a fully animated Fleshed out weasel But you don't see King Shark yeah do I just thought that was interesting You see the the weird dude In that King Shark Green screen bodysuit <laughs>
3: um, Well they showed him in the behind the scenes Stuff in one of the scenes Fleshed out Um yeah i don't know nobody else is jumping out at me i'm looking at the list right now but yeah this thing is chock full of
4: people yeah i was yeah i was i was fucking unprepared for the onslaught
3: yeah i mean they could pull a deadpool too and just kill them all off
4: right well and it's fucking james gunn yeah so i have it it's weird to have a dc movie coming out that i 100 percent have confidence that it's going to be awesome yeah i can't remember the last time i experienced maybe shazam
3: oh yeah shazam was good but i had no expectations going into it that it was going to be good
4: and appara- apparently they've announced they're making shazam 2 somewhere but
1: uh-huh yeah i got a question for you guys is shazam a kid kid-friendly movie you guys have seen it, and yeah? Like it. I have yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. Some somebody bought my kid a Shazam toy, and he's like, "Who's this guy?" And I'm like, "He's Shazam." And he's like, "What does he do?" And I'm like, "I don't know. Yeah. Want to watch the movie?"
3: Probably, <laughs> probably the most adult joke in it is that they <laughs> teleport twice, and for some reason, both times they teleport, they land inside of a strip club. But. You don't actually see them arrive in the strip club. You just see the outside of it. And then the one kid, the one kid walks out. He's got glitter all over his face. Which I thought was fucking hilarious. Yeah, my but kid wouldn't get that. No, he'd have no idea. He'd probably love it. I I loved it. I mean, do you know anything about Shazam? Very little. So he's actually like a 13-year-old boy that when he says Shazam yeah. turns into Superman. So, I'm sure for yeah, kids the idea, yeah for, for kids, I'm sure the idea of hey look, it's another kid he turns into a superhero and then even though he's adult still acts like a thirteen year old I'm sure he'd love it,
4: yeah, yeah, I really hope they develop that character because they have the opportunity to do to just do some great shit yeah go for it, yeah because what's the name I think they said the name it's like going to be Shazam 2 Wrath of the Gods or something like that
3: Shazam Fury of the Gods
4: Fury of the Gods Yeah. and then I think they pretty much confirmed they said so after they make Fury of the Gods then we'll get a crossover of Shazam and Black Adam
2: yeah
3: which I think has been their plan this whole time which I'm completely on board for
4: in which that's great. Uh why the fuck is it taking so long? <laughs> like, like a ridiculous amount of time. Like between the first Shazam movie and the second Shazam movie, we're going on what five uh, five years at this point?
3: No. Shazam came out in twenty nineteen. Shazam two is coming out in twenty twenty two. That's only three years.
4: Shaz- Shazam did not come out in 2019.
3: IMDB, it's listed as 2019.
4: <laughs> what the fuck is that? It's, <laughs> it, it's because,
3: 2020, it's because 2020 has been 10 years long.
1: You just, you just think things were a long time yeah. ago.
3: Yeah, Shazam's only a year and a half old. It came out in April of 2019.
4: I don't understand how that's possible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. That's a, that. Is, you just <laughs> fucked my whole world up. It's the uh, second uh,
3: time this, I was gonna say, is this a good point to talk about how you didn't know Danny Elfman was in Oingo Boingo?
1: Oh, <laughs> fuck! What in the fuck? <laughs> Here's the thing: I don't know what Oingo Boingo is. I don't believe I've ever heard an Oingo Boingo song. You have? Yeah, I knew you Danny Elfman was in it because it's just a, one of those common known facts.
3: You heard the Weird Science theme. I guess that's one go, Blanco.
4: Yeah, I was gonna say if you've seen <laughs> Weird Science, you've heard the Weird Science theme. I mean, yeah, that's one okay, So in the eighties, I
3: heard that. That's their one hit wonder, even though I think they're not necessarily a one hit wonder myself. So They put out pretty awesome music, but
4: well, I mean, like Dead Man's Party was a pretty big hit.
3: Yeah. Uh, do you ever watch Teen Wolf two? Naturally. The song the song during the montage of when he's a wolf and kind of being a dick. That's, uh, that's an Oingo Boingo song. They
4: made a song called Little Girls that sounds suspiciously <laughs> like a dude writing a song about wanting to fuck underage girls. And then a video that is creepy and heavily implies that it's a dude who wants to fuck underage <laughs> girls. This is true. It's pretty uh, bad.
3: I had to look up the meaning of that because, you know, um, he did say he was just trying to piss off as many people as he, as many people as he possibly could. It's um, funny. <laughs> sure. Why not sing a song about pedophilia? Why not?
4: I, th- I've got th- he, a lot of questions. <laughs> like, he, what was with the wife beater? Why was he always wearing a wife beater in everything? I don't know. Even when they did live shows and stuff, he was wearing that weird wife beater.
3: Um, I don't know. Then, uh, did you ever watch Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield?
2: <laughs> I guess. Uh,
3: when, <laughs> he I thr- I. when he throws a party and apparently hires a band to play at the party, the band is ongo Boingo playing themselves.
2: <laughs> so go Boingo has been did. in
3: your life. You just didn't know it. <laughs> but Noah, Noah's brain was blown. <laughs>
4: I'm telling you, I don't know. I don't know how I went my life without ever hearing that weird little tidbit. Maybe it's because I'm just not super steeped in, like, uh, that neither uh, synthwave nor movie uh, music stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, obviously, I know who Danny Elfman is, and I know a ton of the movies. You know, he's got that super recognizable sound, whatever he composes for films, but I don't know. I don't know how I just never crossed that because I, <laughs> I listen to Oingo Boingo every once in a while. I do have friends that were
3: obsessed with Oingo Boingo. So that, that definitely helped me. But I don't feel like that was a big, big secret that he was. I feel like a lot no, of people know that, I guess. I
4: don't I don't feel like. I also don't feel like it was a secret. And I feel like it's something that I should have known. Like, how did I not know this? Between, between them being the weird science uh fucking intro song mm-hmm. which i've listened to probably a million times and doing the batman soundtrack <laughs> <laughs> like how how did those two things never cross over in my head and me never go oh holy shit that's danny Elfman.
3: are you a uh nightmare before christmas fan uh yeah yeah well he does the music which is not a big surprise um He's also the singing voice of Jack Skellington in the movie. Is
4: that right? Yeah, that's weird because that doesn't sound to anything like his uh, singing voice in Oingo Boingo. Because
3: mm-hmm. apparently, uh, Chris Sarandon cannot sing that well.
4: Do do what now? You you cut out.
3: So apparently, Chris Sarandon cannot sing very well. So. He has a subs- he had to substitute himself in as the uh, singing voice.
4: Fucking Danny Elfman.
3: Yeah, here it is. IMDb. Danny Elfman, Jack Skellington, singing voice, barrel clown with te- tearaway face. So, <sighs>
4: don't
1: give don't give the character a name. That's fine.
3: <laughs> nope, just clown with tearaway face.
4: I mean, whenever that character is introduced. His only line is, "I am the clown with the tearaway face."
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> so, in the movie, in the character's defense, I think that is his name.
3: <laughs> yeah, but how many how many characters besides Groot do you do you show on screen just saying their name? It's
4: true. I'm still. By the way, I'm still fucked up about this. <laughs> <It's just laughs> <Shazan upturned>. This <laughs> is This is upturned my life.
3: <laughs> only a year and a half has passed since shazam came out and you just don't know that's, how to process
4: it that's what i'm saying i don't i don't know what fucking i still can't believe that that it came out fucking last year that's insane
2: what
3: about avengers endgame
4: well that came out at the end of last year right
3: yeah so only it's only a year old yeah
4: <laughs> no see that seems right
3: oh no i was seems, i was wrong but
4: like Shazam came out way before Endgame came out.
3: No, I was I was actually way wrong. It came out in April of 2019, three weeks after Shazam came out.
4: What in the fuck? <laughs> uh, <laughs> the coronavirus violated time. I forgot because like Sp-
3: a- Spider-Man I- Two came out in the summer.
4: This is some kind of horrible thing I feel like I'm aging in eons <laughs> <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna die an old man Before Black Widow comes out uh,
3: I'm kind of shocked That it has not been pushed to Disney Plus yet
4: Oh no 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 That, that budget <laughs> was so fucking high
1: well, I think so? the other thing is when they what they did that one other movie where they were selling it on Disney Plus and people were
4: not.
3: Dulan. Ulan. Busy,
4: Ulan I was, yeah, I don't, don't think that worked bad. out too well for them. Hopefully, they learned their lesson because <laughs> that was dumb shit.
1: Well, because I feel like everyone is like, but we all know that eventually this will be added on here for free. And you're not going to give me back my money if I buy it from you, so yeah. I'll just have the same thing as the people who didn't buy it.
3: Uh, so this is saying, Bla- uh, yeah, Black Widow is supposed to come out in November, November six. Yeah, we'll see. About that. see oh you, my guess. god,
4: it's like, this is the day before I go on my honeymoon. <laughs> Ugh. I'm gonna have to make that work somehow.
2: Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater.